AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. The honking is upon us. The Freedom Convoy has reached Ottawa. Justin Trudeau has fled the city to an undisclosed location. And now vehicles across the city are slamming their horns, honking like crazy in protest of the vaccine mandates. And of course, the people who live there, not every, not all of them, but many of them are taking to online forums, outraged, saying, why won't these people stop? And the mainstream media in the United States and Canada are smearing the freedom truckers. That's right. When the workers of the world unite, the left gets mad, apparently. But we've got some mainstream articles. They're calling them white supremacists who are flinging feces and stealing from the homeless. Wow. They are really, really and desperately trying to shut down and lie about what these truckers are doing. But with Ottawa and the honking comes the U.S. with many U.S. truckers and people just across the country preparing to engage in their own honking in their hometowns. We got a lot to talk about there. We've got Hunter Biden's business associate apparently cooperating on a tax investigation. Maybe something will happen, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. And then I I just I got to bring it up. Whoopi Goldberg said on The View that the Holocaust was not about race. And everybody stared at her, dumbfounded and confused, as she repeatedly doubled down and said, it's just white people doing it to each other. So we're going to have to uh, talk about that one, because that is a doozy. Joining us is an individual who has been disparagingly mentioned in leaked emails from the Clintons, Peter Schweitzer. <laughs> that's a great intro. Thanks. I told you I was going to say it. <laughs> Great. Great why, why were too. why were they uh, disparaging you in emails? I, you know, I, I wrote this book called Clinton Cash that exposed kind of their business model. I mean, they went from being completely broke when Bill Clinton left the White House to 10 years later, they were worth like $250 million. Hillary was in the Senate. She was Secretary of State. And they didn't like the way that I exposed that. So, um, yeah, they had some not such nice things to say about me. I don't think Chelsea always ever disparaged me. I never heard Chelsea, but Bill and Hillary were not happy. But now you got a book about uh, Biden and... Xi Jinping, China? Yeah, it's a book uh, uh, about all these Americans from the president, Congress, Republicans and Democrats. We've got people in Silicon Valley, Bill Gates, uh, Elon Musk. And then you look at Wall Street, the big Wall Street banks, all doing deals in China and all apologizing for China and all, frankly, helping China in their competition with the United States. So, you know, I name names and uh, expose them. Well, we will get into all of that, too. So thanks for joining us. Oh, great to be here. Thanks. We've also got Shimcast. Seamus Coglin here. Thank you for joining us on Shimcast IRL. <laughs> uh, I am also, besides uh, being a, a podcast host, the creator of Freedom Tunes. So if you want to go over to Freedom Tunes, check that out. Subscribe. We do a political cartoon every single week, sometimes twice a week. Oh, yeah. And I want to say I'm very excited for the show because the pre-show discussion was really fantastic. It was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I, when I'm thinking about the uh, interactions with China, I think about Vladimir Lenin's. I think his quote was, the capitalists will sell us the rope that we will use mm. to hang them or something. That's like exactly that. it. We'll so sell you buying, the rope you'll use to hang yourself. Is that it? Hang yeah. yourself. Yeah. So like buying, you know, Chinese goods kind of makes me think of that metaphor these days. Not that we're necessarily at war, but it's a conversation to have. Yeah. And I am also here pushing buttons in the corner. I'm very excited for this conversation because, like Ian was saying, they're definitely selling us a rope we're going to hang ourselves with. And I'm afraid we already have. So let's see what's going on with that. 
I kind of feel like we should get one of those buttons you can buy where you can record a sound effect, and we should just have like a honk button, like honk, 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 because it's like because it's a honk, you know, it's yeah. just like honk when thi- we approve, like Seamus says something good, we honk. You would never so, honk it. Everybody, those of you that are listening, one like equals one honk. Yes. So smash the honk button. Head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support the show and all of our work. Each new member is also one honk. So when you sign up, you are also expressing your distaste for uh, Trudeau, for the vaccine mandates, because you're helping our journalists write news, do their jobs. You're helping us do this show. And you will get access to exclusive members-only segments from this show. They go up Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. We call them the the uncensored, not-so-family-friendly version of the show. Uh, you'll you'll, you'll want to check it out. I'll just leave it there because it's not family-friendly. And this show, this version is. But again, go to TimCast.com. And don't forget to smash the like button right now. Subscribe to this YouTube channel you are currently on and share the show anywhere you can because that really does help. Copying that URL, pasting it to Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Getter, whatever it is you use seriously helps. We uh, we don't have a marketing budget. We just have grassroots support and uh, it is greatly appreciated. But let's get into that first story. Justin Trudeau says we are not intimidated. Trudeau won't meet convoy that continues to gridlock Ottawa. Before I read this. I want to give a trigger warning to all of the people who are uh, who despise the mainstream media because this one, my friends, this one is a doozy. And I'm not literally giving you a trigger warning. I'm just building suspense because check this out. They write for the Toronto Sun. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he will neither meet with nor be intimidated by the convoy of Canadians. He says spent the last few days harassing local businesses, waving Nazi flags, and stealing food from the homeless. What? What? Wow. What are they? T- what is he in, talking in about? In all of the smears I have seen of protests in my day, wow. that is impressive. And I was at Occupy Wall Street, and boy, did the media go after them. Yeah. But, but this is this is a bunch of truckers. Yeah. These, this is the lifeblood of of any. Yeah nation delivering goods angry with vaccine mandates and right. protesting it and that is the characterization used in the media mm. bravo yeah. Bra- i'm impressed also can i ask a question these truckers are stealing food from the homeless what about the people who decided that we needed to print trillions and trillions of dollars and then inflated our currency so that lower income people have less of an ability to buy food are they stealing food from the homeless they're stealing from all of us yeah. Absolutely. Well, what about those people who, on top of that decided we need to impose a vaccine mandate on the truckers who literally bring us our food oh right. yeah i right. saw i saw a good post and it said uh, it was like a lefty thing and it said stop saying labor shortage and start saying living wage shortage <laughs> And I responded, stop saying living wage shortage and say inflation. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that strikes me about this, it's classic attack the messenger, right? Mm. So they're going after the truckers. They're making these ridiculous claims about the truckers because they don't want to deal with the substance of the issue. And the other thing I don't understand is he says he's not going to be intimidated, but didn't Justin Trudeau like retreat or leave? He's hiding. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's literally hiding. hiding I mean, from I them. think he is intimidated yeah. by the truckers, isn't he? Like, I'm not scared of you guys. <laughs> I'm not scared right, at all. Right. He's like turning around. No, no. He's like, I will not be intimidated. Breaking news. Justin Trudeau has fled Ottawa to an <laughs> undisclosed <laughs> location. Exactly. exactly. So uh, let me let me, let me read this. this. is amazing. Speaking to Canadians from isolation after testing positive for COVID. Oh, uh, that's the reason he's he left. Right? He's got COVID. He said freedom of expression, assembly, and association are cornerstones of democracy. But Nazi symbolism, racist imagery, and desecration of war memorials are not. It is an insult to memory and truth. Hate can never be the answer. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. When BLM came to Ottawa, he came out and he took a knee with all of them. Yep. Right. He, he marched with them. He protested with them. And I'll also say, I, I, I certainly think anybody involved in that protest 
should completely agree. Yeah, Nazi symbols, racism, right. and all that Absolutely. stuff, not acceptable. We agree. Thanks, yeah. Justin. Are you still scared? Are you right. still going to run away? Or are you going to come and meet with the people on the substance? Yeah, the answer is no. Well, like right. the, during the BLM protest, did he mention that burning down people's businesses and uh, destroying their ability to make a living is horrible and bad and that he can't side with the protest on that basis? Of course not. And then when we're looking at this, he's saying having Nazi flags and desecrating memorials are not something that I'm willing to contend with. Okay, then how about we have a conversation about what they're actually doing, okay? Because if any of them are even doing that, it's a tiny, tiny fringe minority. So why doesn't he talk about the fact that there are working class people banding together to protect their rights as workers? You know, this is really interesting because when I was reading about this protest, it sounds so much like Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. It sounds like how they went after Occupy. And then my response was, hey, you know, radical left, the radical left did co-opt Occupy Wall Street and turn it into something else. It was a populist uprising. There were libertarians, there were conservatives, there were left, there were liberals, right. yep. and they were upset over the banker bailouts. Within a couple of weeks, though, the radical left completely mm-hmm. co-opted the message and the money and booted out anyone who opposed them. So, you know, people who are at the Strucker protest should make sure no ideologue should be able to take that message. Yeah. Here's the thing I don't get, though. I mean, it used to be, you look back in the 60s, you know, Reagan was governor of California, the anti-war protesters. He didn't agree with them, but he'd meet with them. There used to be this tradition, you know, if you're a political leader and somebody's protesting and you don't agree with them, you try to at least meet. I mean, Justin Trudeau's not even prepared to meet with these guys. That's what's so shocking to me. I mean, they've got thousands of people doing this. You've got support for it. And Justin Trudeau is like, no, I'm going to pretend like you don't even exist. Yeah, exactly. Well, whenever working class people try to band together to have their voice heard, mm-hmm. it's insinuated that there's something wrong with them as a group of people for reasons that have nothing to do with the actual cause they're arguing for. So Tim mentioned Occupy Wall Street and how that was less partisan when it began. Interestingly enough, the Tea Party, which was generally to the right, was actually started on MSNBC. It was a left-wing right. pundit who said, we need a modern-day Tea Party because it is taxation without representation to spend money that future generations will have to pay off. Right. But then, of course, the Tea party was instantly maligned as a racist movement right and there were politicians who claimed i can't remember who maybe you guys do but that they called them the n-word and other racial slurs oh, yeah. uh and all of the footage from the event showed that that did right. not happen right right that's the go-to thing now unfortunately and look i think we all agree that there are racists out there and they say racist things and do racist things but Every single time now there's an event or in a protest, this becomes kind of the shorthand prescription for what's wrong with the people or that they're all doing it. And I, I just don't buy it. I mean, I'm sure that maybe there are a couple of uh, knuckleheads that are doing stupid and hateful things among the group, but the vast majority of them are just they're Canadian truckers. I mean, how bad can they be, right? They're ordinary working class people. And this becomes kind of the go-to explanation for everything. It's, it's really disappointing because when you do actually have cases of racism that occur, people don't believe it anymore. Yeah. I also just want to mention it was John Lewis who claimed yes. that he was called racial slurs by the right. Tea Party. There right. was zero evidence for it. And in right. fact, there was evidence that. Well, we're here, we, we hear the same thing with Chuck Schumer and the January 6th protesters. Mm-hmm. He said they were yelling things about Jews and everyone <gasps> right. like, cause like, oh, come on. Those, the, the rioters did a lot of things, but <laughs> right. that one is right. just yeah. so over the top hard to believe yeah, yeah. show me the footage this is funny check this out they say uh he said people were waving hateful flags including swastikas and the confederate flag all right well i did see a photo of someone with a, fl- a nazi flag and i'm genuinely confused by it but like i guess you know look there are going to be people and they're going to do dumb stuff or have believe right. bad things the confederate flag is the one that's really weird to me <laughs> y'all are in canada i yeah, know what are you doing <laughs> so this guy's in saskatchewan right yeah, yeah right <laughs> Even if someone there was legitimately like, I'm going to wave this flag, I'd be like, why? Right. 
Well, the other thing too is like these protests happen. It happened in Occupy Wall Street. These truckers show up, you know, who's to say the guy with the Nazi flag is a trucker? It may have just been some Nazi who was around. who was like, I'm going to go in the crowd and I'm going to wave my flag around. That, that's the thing too. I, I was at a protest in Boston and uh, I was Antifa on one side, the left and the right on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to some guy from the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him what, you know, what, what they were doing, what, what their plan was. And he was like, we just want, you know, healthcare for people and better mm-hmm. policing. And I was like, what about, you know, what would you say to the critics who would say that you guys are just communists and that this is a front and once you get power? He was like, that's not true. We don't endorse that stuff. And then I asked him what he thought about the right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, you got a bunch of far right extremists and racists. I mean, look, they're waving Confederate flags over there. And I was like, well, that's one guy with a Confederate flag. Right. He's like, yeah, well, they're all standing around him, aren't they? And I was like, well, you guys are waving communist flags. Right. He's like, no, we aren't. And I turned around and like 20 feet away. I'm like, there's a gigantic Soviet Union flag <laughs> and they're waving it. And he went, well, well that's not ours. <laughs> and I was like, right. right, right. Well, the guys over there, it's got right. one guy with a Confederate flag. I mean, right. you don't want to throw everybody lump. Every, I understand there's, you know, yeah. different groups of people here. And, you know, I don't know if they understand the, what, what they're saying when they lump everyone in. But it's, it's the same old smear. And this one, I got to admit, it's just outright impressive. It's just like the degree to which the media and the politicians are, are, are desperate to go. Oh, th- these Canadian men were waving Confederate flags. It's like, <laughs> well, are you, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's they're obsessed with American media. Right. So this right, is American, right. you know, left sentiment seeping into Canada. Cause I don't, I, 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 look, Canadians that are listening, explain to me why someone would, would wave the Confederate flag. I don't, I don't get it. The North will rise again. They're north of the North. Yeah. Exactly. The, the North will rise again, eh? Yeah. yeah. yeah wow. Exactly. No, it's so bizarre. Also, I'm still, uh, I'm still getting a kick out of stealing food from homeless people. And that's <laughs> hysterical. Who decided, like, who printed that? Is there a story? To go yeah, along yeah, yeah. With there's, this? A, there's a story that, uh, some of the people at the protest went to a homeless shelter and demanded they give food to the truckers. And the homeless shelter agreed to, to deescalate things. And then I, you know, you know, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that it was like, some people walked over to the homeless shelter and said, Hey, would you guys be willing to give food to the truckers? And they went, uh, yeah, sure. And they went, thank you. And they're like, oh, oh, they stole oh. our food. And they, they called the press, help us, yeah. please. Over the table, Something so like it's 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 mainstream press. But you it's do have to, press. I agree with you that it's probably blown out of proportion. But you do have to be careful with large groups of people uh, moving across countries like that. Like I think about the um, the Crusaders in the Crusades, man, because it would be all benevolent. Yay, we're fighting for God. We're Christian, but they're still human and they need food, so they just pillage. On the way, they mur- they just take people's food. <laughs> they just kill. They they shack up at people's houses. They and then picture this: you're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay backbreaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. Carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. 
so it can get pretty bad, but this is a different story. This is I, people I, in trucks. It should be condemned, right? right. No, no matter yeah. what, be like, hey, look, if that really happened, of course no one's okay yeah. with it. There's a story about a guy, like, apparently someone threw, you know, feces at someone's you know, house because they had a pride flag. And I'm like, well, that sounds really absurd to Was me. Was it a but, monkey? But like, I, that's I, insane. Yeah. What, what human being does that? I, I, it sounds really absurd, but you know yeah. what? I don't care. Condemn it outright. Right. Yeah, Nobody's right. okay with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and if, if anybody involved in the, in the trucker protest should be like, we're so sorry someone would do it to you guys. Mm-hmm. They yeah. should just outright be like, no one here agrees with that. We're sorry it happened. And with the tens of millions of dollars raised, if it were me, it's what I do. I'd say, we're going to clean that up for you. Right. We're going to cover Amen. the cost Amen. of that because we want to make sure, you know, in fact, I would even allocate money to general street cleaning. I'd say, we're going to bring in a lot of people. You know, we got a lot of trucks coming through. We want to make sure that we can leave the place where you live clean and, yeah. and tidy up. In fact, there was a, what was, what was that protest where everyone cleaned up afterwards recently? There was, I can't remember what it was. We were talking about it a few months ago. Oh, like a bunch of right wing people came in the protest. I know what you're talking about. And they all cleaned about, up yeah. the garbage. Used to do that, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and when you, when you look at these left wing rallies at the women's march, it's just totally trashed. Right. Disgusting. Right. Just obliterated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are. So where does this end, Tim? I mean, what, you know, you've well, got these guys people, protesting. Where does this end? People are still, are, we, we have some super chats, you know, we, we save them for the end, but people are mentioning that the convoy is not even in the city yet. Oh, really? Like it's been, a, it, it was 50 miles long. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have 50,000 truckers. So what we're seeing is just the tip, oh, just man. the tip I'm entering. Know. Yeah. Well, I just want to say I'm so proud of Canada and Canadians Me here. I, my whole life, I had this perception that they were much <laughs> more complacent. And I think that's the image of them that sold right. to us, especially because their government is so much more restrictive than ours. But not long ago, I started to actually speak to people from Canada, and I found that many of them are really quite convicted and and based and actually understand what's going on and want to resist uh, tyranny. And so I love that they're sending this message to the world. Amen. I, I don't know for sure if the Cana- if most Canadians would be like, "Yo, let's let's join the Americans instead of the British." Like if they had to pick, but yeah. I imagine they'd be like, "Yeah, all right." Yeah. The what French. you mean? You mean during the Revolutionary War? No, like today. If you got to side with democratic freedom, democratic republicanism, or if you got to side with the monarchy, you side with democratic republicanism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Quebec was a fourteenth, the fourteenth colony, though. You know, yeah. they, they said no. They yeah. were like, we will not declare independence. You know, it's an interesting point you make because I was just reading a, a book on uh, the American Revolution, War for Independence. And, you know, I was kind of thought like everybody was on board with kicking the British out. And the best estimate was like one third of them yeah. wanted independence. One third of them were loyal. And the other third were kind of in between. And you kind of wonder, is that the way it always is? You know, these big changes that you have, what's what's going on in Canada right now, is it kind of the rule of thirds? Right. That that it's not an overwhelming majority of people. And you got to persuade that other third. So the things you were talking about, about cleaning up the streets, about condemning things, that's a way to win that other third and get the majority. But I kind of feel like we're almost to the point where there is no other third. You know, we, we looked at a lot of polling. We've looked at a lot of polling over the past several mm-hmm. months. The independent base is 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 melting. Yeah. As people keep switching. So there's people switching from uh, at least in the U.S., right. Democrat to Republican independents are being pulled left and right with the biggest group of independents going Republican. The Republican Party is starting to balance out and gain on the on the Democratic Party. But there's almost no middle anymore. Mm. If you're if you're a centrist, I mean, like, I feel like this show we do is a a balance of of opinion. Mm -hmm. It's called right wing by the left. Right. And it's it's the most insane thing, because, I mean, I, I watch some conservative shows and I'm like, I can certainly see the difference between the show we do and the show they do. And so can our viewers. Yeah. But if you're on the left. It's all right wing. Right. So when you get to that point, it's almost like, do you really win that third? Or, I mean, I guess so. Obviously, we're trying to. We're trying to convince those people to join freedom. 
And I think it's working because even Democrat voters are switching over to Republican. Not that Republican is the right answer, uh, mind you. It's just like right. people feel like it's their only alternative. Right. But things are hyperpolarizing. Right. But there are there are a group of people who are kind of apolitical, right? I mean, they have cultural opinions. They but you know, apolitical, and I agree with you. It's a diminishing group to what it used to be. Um, but I just want to believe and hope that there is a persuadable group in the country and that, that you can. And that's why you need to do these things and demonstrate, you know, how important uh, your views and values are and, and do things like you were saying, clean up the streets. And I, th- I think every, everyone is persuadable to a certain degree. And I think it's not about a middle ground, a one third. I think we're actually looking at Democrat voter base. We're, we're mm-hmm. looking at de- uh, default liberal types. I think that's what uh, Andrew Breitbart called them. Right. Default liberal. So they're, they vote Democrat. They align with the Democratic Party. They say that they're Democrats. And now they're watching what's going on and they're rolling their eyes and saying, yo, I'm out. Yeah. Many right. of them are voting for Republican. Many, I think Pew referred to them as the stressed sideline. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, uh, uh, it's large enough at this point. I think what's actually happening is shows like this, shows like Joe Rogan uh, and other, you know, other shows, even conservative ones and even some left ones like Jimmy Dore mm-hmm. are eroding at the establishment narrative. And it's resulting in people just saying, I'm done with that group of people. Yeah. The celebrity message. I mean, look at that story. Waving Nazi flags and hate symbols. Right. Like, seriously? Right. There was a tweet from Kurt Schlichter. It was really funny. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, the left is really mad when the, the, the workers of the world are uniting. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's kind of funny how that's yeah. working out, right? And these are truckers. These are, uh, yeah. uh, like, you know, typically young, younger to middle-aged guys who are just driving on the road and, you know, people of all different backgrounds, honestly, who drive trucks, but, uh, uh, not the kind of people you expect to be marching around throwing bricks through windows. Right. Right. No. And here we are with the smears and the manipulation and. No, I mean, yeah, well, these are people with a sense of responsibility. They have jobs. That's the entire reason that they're protesting. Mm-hmm. It's for their rights as workers. These are not irresponsible teenagers who are going out trying to destroy things like we saw for an entire summer. And that was never condemned by any of the people who are condemning all of these truckers for something that a fringe minority within their group is doing and who, quite frankly, we don't even know is a fringe minority within their group. They could just, these could just be randos showing up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you asked, like, where does this all go? Mm-hmm. You know what's fascinating is that this story is happening in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was talking with, you know, people just before the show. And I think it was my brother who said it's like a global civil war almost because hmm. it's not just the United States that ex- that's, that's experiencing this cultural rift. It's it's right. Europe, Canada, the United States, Australia, Australia, yeah. And, yeah. and to a certain extent, Australia and New Zealand. But Australia, man, oof, mm-hmm. things are bad there. What is it? Is it the British Empire is crumbling. Is that what basically finally? Yeah, yeah maybe like 600 yeah. years or something. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the culture that was born out of uh, mostly, I guess, British colonization. It's due to physics. They figured out physics first, Isaac Newton. So then they had long range cannon fire from boats and they dominated the sea. And and, uh, uh, and steam Gatling guns I was reading about Mm. allowed them to just dominate. But uh, it's interesting. It's it's not just the former British colonies and, and, you know, kind of the Commonwealth. There's parts of Europe, too. But it really does feel like people say Western civilization and all that stuff. And I'm like, it is very much like Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, uh, Britain, the Five Eyes Spy Club, whatever you want to call it. Certain parts of Europe, but you look to some of these European countries and they're like either getting rid of their vaccine, their, their COVID mandates completely right, right. and just go back to normal. And then you look at the United States, you look at Canada, you look at the, U- you look at the UK and this, the same culture war thing is happening across the board. Mm-hmm. So why, why is that? I don't know. But when I talk about, you know, the potential for civil war and stuff like that, I do find it fascinating that now the establishment left is completely on board with the narrative. You know, yeah. you've got this one guy who put out a book recently, The Next Civil War. You've got MSNBC talking about you got the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic. They're all now saying, like, where are we headed? And then if you actually – when we look at what's going on with the truckers, we look at how Trudeau responds. 
when they start claiming that working class people in trucks are like evil white supremacist Nazis and all that stuff, I'm like, there, there is no convincing this other side. You either concede to them, give them concession, or you assert yourself now and recognize the groups are two completely separate groups that will not ever work together. There's no convincing them because Klaus Schwab, and I don't want to pin it all on you, Klaus. There's probably other people involved. They don't want to not think this. It's intent, they're intentionally choosing to believe that there's some sort of rift. So it's like you can't convince someone that is going to choose to believe it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I see I see Luke's in the comments trying yeah. to Luke, help, help no, me no, Luke. No, what no, am no, I missing? No, no, we don't read his comments now. He left us. Yeah, yeah. he did. So we'll just ignore Luke's comments. That's right. No, no, Luke said it was uh, it's called the Great Reset. It's part of the Great Reset, yeah. yeah. Great Maybe reset. but but uh, uh it's you know Adrian Curry commented too that it's China. You know, that's, that's sowing this, this, uh, dissent. I wonder what your thought is, uh, Peter, on, you know, this, this, this culture war that's happening in Canada, the US and the UK. Some have suggested, we've had guests on the show that say, you know, China's got troll armies that sow dissent and they, they push yeah. these messages and they're very divisive. So I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, th- I think it is a factor. I think the, the, you know, it's simplifying it somewhat, but I think the fundamental debate is, you know, where do our rights come from? And people on the left say that our rights come from government. Government tells us what our rights are. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody, I don't even want to say necessarily conservative or right wing. I think it's just a way of viewing it. The other alternative view is that, no, our rights come from God or come from the fact that we are human beings and that we are sovereign. And it seems to me that's what so many of these debates are about. And uh, China, I think, is playing a big role. They have these troll armies that try to pick fights and sow division online. One of the things I talk about in the book are um, these very wealthy uh, Chinese oligarchs. The book uh, Red Handed. Yeah, the book Just Red Handed. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, a lot of these oligarchs that made their money with these state-owned companies or these state-linked companies like Alibaba and whatnot, um, there's a guy featured in the book named Joe Tsai. He lives in California. He's worth $20 billion, very tight with the CCP government. Um and he goes on college campuses saying there are no human rights problems in China. Everything's great. But at the same time, he's given $100 million to Black Lives Matter causes. And he talks about how unjust America is and how, you know, does he have a right to do that? Sure. But how can you in any universe argue that America is this horribly unjust, bigoted society and say that communist China is a great place to live? It's it's uh, uh, it's interesting. China versus America is very much the same culture war as internally in America, right? Yeah. So uh, I'll give you an example of what I, I'll break down what I mean. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The left is willing to, uh, the establishment left and many leftists, a cultural leftists, lie, cheat, and steal to say whatever they have to say in order to win. Mm-hmm. They'll ban, censor, shut down, silence, etc. Yeah. The right 
is constantly trying to play by some kind of rules. And I don't mean like the establishment, right? I mean the culture war, right? Mm-hmm. Which includes libertarians, moderates, post-liberals, etc. They're constantly saying things that, you know, it, it's remarkable. Just to, to, I'm not going to get into the overt specifics, but it's obvious to anybody who watches, the right is constantly trying to have a conversation with the left that the left is uninterested in having. Right. The left has asserted its position is true and unfalsifiable, and so be it, therefore. But the right keeps li- saying, you know, oh, let's 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 work out a deal. Simple example is like, you know, Joe Rogan and Spotify. Mm-hmm. They want to ban Joe Rogan. They want to shut his show down. So they start pulling their music off the platform. In response, Joe and Spotify give some concessions. Okay, we'll put we'll put advisories on these podcasts. But what about podcasts with Fauci? Are they going to include Dr. Robert Malone in right. those advisories? Right. They're not going to do it. Right. So what, what keeps happening is the freedom-loving individuals keep conceding some points to the authoritarian left. Now, on the grand international scale, it's the same thing with China. China is absolutist, the Communist Party. You oppose us, you get crushed. Who was, who was that guy? Jack Ma was yeah. that his name? Yeah. Gone. Money yeah. wiped away because how dare you? Right. But in the United States, we don't do that. To a certain degree, you'll get canceled if you cross the line and you'll lose, mm-hmm. you know, because you, once again, it's the authoritarian left. But because of this power imbalance and uh, I, I would call it integrity and principle imbalance, China can look at someone like LeBron James and say, yeah. we're going to give you $10 million. Never talk bad about us. And he goes, you got it. Yeah. Then he comes to the United States where the left plays by a similar game. And they say, don't screw with us. We are the ones who are going to make sure your contracts stay in. But if you challenge us, we'll get them revoked. Yeah. So what happens? America is really bad. Why? The left agrees and the Chinese Communist Party agrees. Right. Those that are playing by the rules are getting wiped out. Yeah. And, and bizarrely. There's a consistency to that, that the United States is terrible and China is great. And in both cases, you get paid. You don't pay any price, really, in today's culture, popular culture, uh, for, you know, disagreeing with BLM. I mean, you get canceled. So the the path to least resistance is basically to embrace these sort of left-wing ideas. And it's the same thing with China. And you never pay a price for it i mean as i point out in the book with lebron james everybody knows the recent thing about the the tweeting about hong kong and how he was defending them it goes back i mean he's been doing this for like 15 years there was a a a crisis you guys might remember back in uh 2007 2008 darfur Mm -hmm. you you had in sudan you know 200,000 black christians were slaughtered in the south by this regime the regime was backed by the chinese government and there was actually a petition in the NBA to call out China because they were backing this regime that was slaughtering black Christians. And LeBron James oh. refused to sign the petition. So for a guy who says black lives <laughs> matter, horrific. yeah, the, the, for a guy who believes black lives matter, as we all do, those black lives did not matter to him because he did not want to offend China. But, but, but come on, Peter. Just, just, I want you to imagine something, all right? Yeah. It's a snowy, beautiful mountain. You're up top in a big, 8,000 square foot cabin. Want the whole north face of the building is one big glass window. And you wake up and you, you press the coffee button on your Keurig and it makes you a nice hot cappuccino. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you walk to the window and you look out at this beautiful sunset and you smile to yourself and say, this $40 million cabin was worth selling out all of those <laughs> suffering people. And you sip it. And that's what I imagine is going through LeBron and all these other guys' heads when they're when they're – they buy these properties and the money is, is they, they, they genuinely believe it's worth it. Well, and yeah. it's interesting that the people who are able to afford to buy off famous celebrities to espouse their political views are almost all on the left. And one question I want to pose to everybody is when Justin Trudeau talks about these truckers, do you think he actually knows any? Do you think Justin Trudeau <laughs> has anyone in his life who does that professionally? 
And I see it as a problem, not necessarily of income inequality, but of economic stratification. Mm -hmm. So in the past, income inequality existed, but you were hanging out with people who were in different income brackets. You knew farmers, you knew plumbers, you knew people who were in the working class, even if you had an accounting job. And a lot of that was the community that was built up at your church. And I can testify to that as well. At my church and in my social group, we're fortunate enough to have all sorts of people from different economic brackets because we're focused on a larger mission. But nowadays, people really gravitate towards their own in-group with respect to wealth, and then they sort of pat themselves on the back because they think their particular in-group, because it's left-leaning, represents the views of the working class. But then when they hear what actual working class people have to say, they lose their minds. So I think at the end of the day, a question that you need to ask yourself about any political leader is, is this a person who would fit in better with like Walmart shoppers or Whole Foods shoppers? <laughs> and Justin Trudeau is not going to fit in with a group uh -uh. of people who live normal lives. He's not a Whole Foods shopper. He's a, what's that place called? Erewhon? Is that what it's called? I've never been yeah. there. But it's, is it called Erewhon? I don't know. I've never heard no. that name. Ma uh, maybe. Wegmans? I don't know. No, there's, there's a like really, the really, really expensive uh, grocery store That's in LA that all the celebrities it, yeah. go to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe I got the name totally wrong. Yeah. We look it up. But it's like, I, I was saying. Aldi, but that's not really. No, no, Aldi, no, that's no. where we Whole went as food. kids. Yeah. No, 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 it's a very expensive <laughs> story. It's in LA and I was, I was outside once and I saw Jake Gyllenhaal like walk in uh, and it's yeah. like, that's, it's where the celebrities shop. That's uh. just, you know, what's funny is, um, yeah, I think you make a really great point. I know point. what you're talking about. I mean, is it, is it? Erewhon. Erewhon. Yeah. Erewhon? I don't know how it's pronounced. E-R-E-W-H-O-N. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You looked it up? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay, there you go. There you go. Just, Justin Trudeau is the kind of guy who like walks into a grocery store and there's no milk. And he's like, there must be a mistake. Where's the milk? And then they're like, well, the truckers have stopped driving. He's like, what does that have to do with the milk? Uh, well, Mr. Trudeau, the truckers bring the milk. They do? What? And I, I honestly think that when it comes to people like Trudeau or when it comes to so many of these woke left-wing people, first of all, having those views is almost certainly an indicator that you spend most of your time with really wealthy people. Yeah. Uh, and secondarily... If you do hold those views, generally when you're dealing with a working class person, it's because you're telling them what to do and, mm -hmm. and they have to because it's their job. And so I think that's a big part of the reason why they're completely unwilling to negotiate because from their perspective, they always get to tell people in this bracket what to do and they obey. So when they stand up for themselves, they can't stand it. And that's just, it's not just that they can't stand it. They can't even comprehend it. It has to be racism. They have to put it in this box of some sort of bigotry because that's the only way they know how to analyze the world. Is, right? um, is, Trudeau, um, a servant of the Canadian people, like in the United think? States, or is he mm -hmm. a puppet of the Queen? He, oh, he's, he's supposed to be a servant, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting at the heart of what you're saying and what, what you, Seamus, were saying earlier. Um, there's a quote in the book I have because the Trudeau family has this long history of relationship with the Chinese government. And there's this, uh, amazing question that Justin Trudeau has asked in 2012. He's a member of parliament. And he's asked, is there anybody on the world stage that you as a political figure sort of really admire, uh, you know, some country in the world? And he doesn't say the United States. He doesn't say Great Britain. He says China. <laughs> wow. He says, I admire China. And they ask, why do you admire China? And his answer to your point, Shabbos, is, well, you know, if you're the leader of China, you can just get shit done. You can get wow. things done. Wow. You know, it's efficient. And he talks about climate change. And he says, you know, you don't have to debate all these things. You just get things done. You, you know how exactly. you respond to someone like that? Like, if I was sitting down, if I was talking to Trudeau and he said that, I'd be like, you know, uh, Justin, 
spot on. <laughs> I mean, when you've got a global pandemic, for instance, and you can just weld the doors shut of poor people, exactly. so they just die, right? Yeah. You got to worry about a pandemic. Right. I mean, why should I get sick? Let them die. You know what I mean? Right. right. And it's like it's like you know I you know uh, look I'm trying to build a highway, for instance, and these poor people think they right. can own land. Just get them out. Plow of them out of the way. Yeah. Where do they live? Who cares? Screw them. <laughs> They're poor people. They're right. not paying taxes. Right. Uh, right. There right. There, yeah. There's a certain efficiency to a dictatorship, mm. and that's attractive to yep. Justin Trudeau. And there's other people that say the same thing, but Trudeau, it's so interesting to me because it's exactly what you guys were saying earlier, that that he doesn't have a connection. People become just these objects you move around on the chessboard, right? If you don't have a connection with them, if you don't if you don't know truckers, if you don't know farmers, you just they're they're the things to be moved around on a chessboard. And that's the mentality of a dictator. Exactly. And I'm, I I apologize if I, if I was a, a little snide to you in my reply to you sort of asking if 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 Trudeau was a servant, but I also think that it's so telling that when Trudeau is looking at communist China, the person he empathizes with is the dictator, the yeah. person in control. Right. Like he doesn't look at communist China right. and think about the people living there and how horrible that would be. He immediately associates himself with the communist dictator. That's right. very telling. Right. How, how that doesn't end a political career, I will never know. I like how people call Justin Trudeau Castro. Yes. Instead of Castro, like Castro. Uh, well, because they, they, EAU, I, there's, Castro I mean, there are people who genuinely believe he's the son of Fidel Castro. Right. But right. just in terms of being a dictator, just yeah. Castro is, 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 is so, uh, on point. He was born yeah. to Pierre, right? Pierre yes. Trudeau. Yeah. And so he was basically raised bred to be a lead, a leader. I don't yeah. like that. That's not the right word. <laughs> yeah. Let, bred to be a prime minister. <laughs> right. Uh, obviously, well, I, I think he might be a poor leader. Um, I agree. So what? So he was just raised psychotically in that environment? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny when you look at the, the family history, like his dad, Pierre Trudeau, he was the one that opened up relations between Canada and, and right. China, mm. uh, diplomatic relations. And then when he left the prime ministership, and he had been like this pro kind of Mao, he wrote this like ridiculous book where he went to China and he, you know, meets these, uh, you know, pioneer children, you know, like these seven-year-old kids running around with the red flags and chanting these Maoist sayings. And he's saying this is the future of the country. But when he leaves the, the premiership in Canada, he opens up a consultancy uh, helping getting businesses juiced in with the communist leadership in China because he had a good relationship with them. So that's where the Trudeau family money comes from. Um, and so Justin grew up very privileged, courtesy of the fact that his dad was doing all these deals in mainland China. I and had no idea. That's where the family wealth comes from? Yeah, for the that's Trudeau where the family, family wealth from. Wow. From a series of uh, of deals that he did. And Justin's got a younger brother who's kind of a form uh, policy advisor of his. His name's Alexander. Has written some like insanely horrific things about China. Uh, again, kind of this admiration for dictatorship. People don't understand it. He'll, he says, like you know, Canadians in a way are less free than people in China. Uh, it's it's ridiculous stuff, and and that's sort of the background of what Justin Trudeau grew up in. What he heard from his dad, what he heard from his brother, and it now influences the way that he deals with China. So when he sees truckers uh, in Canada. You know, it, it's not hard to take a leap and say this is the, you know, imagine yeah. how a Chinese leader would look at, you know, truckers in China if they were doing the same thing. 
he goes, you know, I really wish I could just take their organs. That would be such, it would be a far more efficient country. That'd be a way better way of doing things. Thank you, Justin. But do you, do you think that China is, we've asked a lot of people this, uh-huh. is actively engaged in sowing the conflict in our countries? Yes. Making the culture war worse. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you look at, look at, uh, various things. You look at the donations that some of these guys are, that are connected to the regime are making. They're making donations to these divisive groups. Um, you look at, I think the whole question of COVID, I mean, I'm not an expert, but you at least got to entertain the idea uh, that, that it was a lab leak. But, you know, in Congress, there hasn't been a single congressional hearing about the origins of COVID. And I'm convinced part of it is because Nancy Pelosi and her family have their deals with well, Canada. There, there have been hearings that have addressed it. Yeah, but Rand Paul the, and- yeah, Rand Paul has raised the question. But they, they, you know, to have a congressional hearing that says we're going to explore the origins of COVID and and lab leak. Nancy Pelosi has refused to allow any of them being held on the House side. The other thing I would add is 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 on China is look at the whole fentanyl you know oh, issue. Absolutely. I mean, where does the fentanyl come from? And it's not just fentanyl, it's designer drugs as well. Yes. Are you familiar? So for those, that aren't familiar, for those that aren't familiar, designer drugs typically are some kind of uh, narcotic or drug that is slightly altered in such a way that it now is legal, although good luck explaining to the cop, the, mo- the molecules that I have here are slightly different, <laughs> but a lot of this stuff comes from China. Yeah. They, are, they are producing drugs and shipping them over here illegally, and they're, they're, they're killing people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fourth and fifth generational war. It is... It is indirect, but it is massively damaging the, the, the fentanyl problem. And then potentially the, the, uh, the drugs that come here, designer drugs or otherwise, could be laced with something and cause even more problems. Yes, yeah, this is the reversal of the uh, opium wars. Mm-hmm. It I is mean, the opium wars. Yeah, I revenge. think we're still in them. Yeah, it's revenge. It's 100 years later, 120 years later, we're still in the opium wars. Now they're just feeding it back to us through Mexico. Yeah. So, well, so, so explain that. What does that, what does that mean? Well, you know, the opium wars, um, uh, because of the opium trade in, in, in Asia, the British Empire and, and other powers sort of divided up. They were so hungry to get access to opium and export it that, um, they took over portions, portions of China and China became not completely, but kind of a vassal state. Uh, and they had a huge drug problem in China as well because of this demand. Um, and then they finally gained enough sort of national sovereignty to sort of beat it away. But you actually find literature of, you know, Chinese military officers and others saying when fentanyl comes up, well, this is revenge for the opium war. Was that was that related to the Boxer Rebellion? That was a part of it. Yeah, yeah. that was part of it. But but, you know, China has been uh, uh, obsessed. And I understand because it's a terrible part of their history with extracting revenge on the Western powers because they were so weakened. They were this empire uh, that had been uh, largely defeated by the West, uh, and they want revenge. And you see Xi talks about this all the time, talks about this all the time, that, that you know, by 2049, they're going to be seize the commanding heights on the global stage. They're going to, you know, overcome the United States, and there's going to be payback for what the Western powers did to his country 150 years earlier. So what the, then is Klaus, how does Klaus Schwab fit into this? Is he like... Accelerating mm, this question. communist insurgence into the United States. You know, it's so funny. On all these guys, you look at, um, uh, you know, some like Elon Musk and these guys. Elon Musk says some great things. And then he says some crazy things about China, about how China is more representative than the United States. And I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And you have to decide with all these guys, whether it's Klaus Schwab, is are they just doing it for the money? Um, or do some of them actually believe it? 
Um, and I think some of them actually believe it. I think a lot of them do it because they want access to China. They want access to the Chinese market. Uh, a guy like Ch- Klaus Schwab, I think, is a true believer. And he said, you know, that, 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 hey, they've got good market reforms in China. And yeah, you know, it's, you got this dictatorship, but that's less important because they've got this market <laughs> that they've set up. It's, 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 it's crazy stuff. So he's, I think, a true believer. He's not just wow. doing it for is the it money. Is it because the, I don't. The Chinese bank does it get its money from the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland as well as? Yeah. So it, could Klaus and his buddies just shut off the Chinese economy so they're really not afraid of the Chinese government? It, it'd be hard to shut off the Chinese economy because it's so wedded in so many ways, financially and otherwise. And that's been the thing, right? We were told for thirty years, for thirty years, if we just traded with them, if we just gave them, you know, access to our financial markets, if we let them watch our movies and, mm-hmm. you know, buy our clothes, they're going to become more like us. Yeah. And no, and they we, haven't. They're, they're a dictator. We've become more like them. Amen. In a lot he, of Elon stuff. Musk is tweeting support for the truckers. Yes. And there's, there's rumors going around. I haven't, I haven't verified this, but liar.com is reportedly owned by Elon Musk. I don't know if that's true, but people are claiming it is. Interesting. And it links to Trudeau's Wikipedia page. And it's associated with a $42,000 donation. I don't know if any of that's true, so fact check yeah. that one. Yeah. But it's a viral tweet going around where people are claiming yeah. this. Yeah. And maybe Elon Musk is just playing uh, both sides. Yeah, it could be. And look, I, I think in Musk's case, if I were to guess, you know, he's got a big Tesla factory in China. They built it for him. China's a big growth market. He's saying stuff because he wants access to the market. But some of these Wall Street guys, they, they are true believers. They, they believe in these leaders. They think they're better than ours. They think the system's better than ours. Um, and, and to my mind, they're just sellouts. Well, can I ask you, how could they possibly believe something like that? Are they genocide deniers? Do they pretend that it's not actually happening over there? Or do they think that their market is so efficient that it justifies that kind of behavior? Well, so I'll give you an example that sort of blows my mind. There's a guy, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. His name is Ray Dalio. He runs the largest hedge fund in the United States, Bridgewater Associates. And he wrote a book in 2017 called Principles, which is ironic based on what I'm about to tell you. In that book, he talks about a, a the second most powerful man in China named Wang Qishan, who he says, I've known him for a long time. And he says, Wang Qishan has almost helped me tap the secrets of the universe. And he talks about this quasi-religious experience that he's had just meeting with these guy, this guy. He's so wise. I've learned so much from him. And he's been this remarkable force for good for like 30 years. I thought, well, who the hell is this wonky Sean guy? So I started looking it up. He's Xi's enforcer. Hmm. He's in charge of party discipline. He's the guy that throws people in jail and has oh them tortured. Gosh. Now, why would you as a smart guy like Ray Dalio write something like that? And then you realize that he wrote that. He said a bunch of other nice things. And then his hedge fund got the first opportunity of any other hedge fund in the world to sell hedge fund products to the Chinese. That's I guess horrific. if you're if you're elite, if you're yeah. extremely wealthy, you feel safe and secure yes. in doing your dealings. Yes. And then it's the people of the world who suffer for it. Yes. Yeah. If you're elite, I mean, you're assuming if things go south, you're still going to be OK. And your yeah. family's going to be safe. I think you're right. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Not to make any specific uh, accusations about Ray Dalio here, right? But we do know statistically that people who trade on Wall Street are actually more likely to be psychopaths and sociopaths. Now, I can't give someone that uh, that kind of diagnosis, but those are the behaviors of a psychopath to praise somebody who would do that kind of thing because you think it'll get you money. We have we have this big story that I want to get into, and uh, it's, you, we find ourselves once again talking about Joe Rogan and Spotify. But this is a good example of the of the cultural imbalance. So the quick story is that Spotify is announcing an addition of content warnings over the criticism of Joe Rogan and COVID-19 misinformation. 
But we never get this the other direction. When Rachel Maddow or Fauci or CNN puts out bunk garbage, Twitter does not flag them. You put out something that goes against Fauci or Maddow or CNN, Twitter flags you. So Joe Rogan has on Sanjay Gupta, Mike Osterholm, experts, establishment voices. Nobody cares. Right. He has on McCullough and, um, and Malone. And it's the apocalypse. Joni Mitchell, these old aging hippies are like, I want censorship. <laughs> and, you know, Niels Lofgren. Now, to, to be fair, they both, both Neil Young and, and Lofgren said, we don't want to censor Joe Rogan. We just want off the platform because we don't want to share it with him. Okay. I, that's yeah. actually respectable because, yeah. you know, if I, that, that's the right thing to do. This episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at J.Crew.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If I was on a platform and I was like, I don't like that they support hate speech, right. I'll leave. Yeah. So good. Bye bye. Leave. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But you, we can see what happens from the backlash. You're never going to get a concession from the establishment to recognize independent voice. It's always the other way around. So long as this imbalance exists, we are all being pulled hard towards the authoritarian side of things. And that being said, a story like this, I think, just shows they have no effective means of stopping Joe Rogan, real conversations, conversations like this. So despite this being kind of bad, here's the big update. Spotify shares recover after Joe Rogan addressed the vaccine controversy as Taylor Swift fans call on her to pull her music from the streaming service. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Spotify may suck on pay rates and all that. But the moment they come out and say, oh, OK, we'll do this little content warning, which ultimately I think will do nothing. Right. It may be a net negative in certain, capa- certain capacity. The Spotify shares rebound. And I think, you know, Joe and everyone else is going to pull out of this and they're going to walk away from this unscathed. Yeah, I think the thing that 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 helps Joe Rogan here is he's such an important part of the company because he's got such a massive audience. The interesting question, and I don't know the answer to it, is Spotify has uh, a number of large Chinese investors that own portions of that. Does that play into this censorship? Mm. I don't know. We know with Twitter. You know, Jack Dorsey hired senior executives because he wanted to break into China that had ties with the Communist Party. Um, this censorship issue, we talked earlier about it. I think we are becoming more like China. China's not becoming more like us. Right. We're becoming, we're Agreed. importing some of these censorship tools that they use. Well, uh, what do you think about BlackRock? Uh, BlackRock, uh, is terrible. Uh, they're the focus in my book. Think about this for a second. Real, real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Can you explain what BlackRock is? Yeah. BlackRock is the largest financial asset manager in the world. And, and what does that mean? They manage $10 trillion. That's with a T. The gross national product of the United States is like 21 trillion. So they manage almost like 50% of the United States gross national product financially. So they are the 900 pound gorilla of world finance. I want to show something real quick before we get into that uh, mm-hmm. in reference. This is something I've shown on the show before, but we'll show again in this context. This is something I posted. 
And I want to just issue the, 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 the disclaimer before going through this. BlackRock owns basically everything, yeah. right? So I'm not trying to po- post these things to make an assertion of some grand conspiracy, but I think it's important to show the business connections. Yeah. So this is Neil Young sells catalog rights to Merc- Mercuriatus' Mercuri- Mercuri- hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Blackstone and Hypnosis Song Management launch a billion-dollar partnership. Blackstone announces appointment of Jeffrey B. Kindler, former chairman and CEO of Pfizer, as a senior advisor. Spotify to pull Neil Young's music, objecting to Joe Rogan. So uh, uh, not that I think it's necessarily evidence that someone at Blackstone, you know, put to the phone and said, we need to pull in Neil Young on this one and right. get him. But uh, it shows that it very well may have been a meeting where they're just like, look, this is, Joe Rogan's show is bad for us. It hurts our profits and shares. What are our assets? I'm like, well, we do have this music catalog that does work with Spotify. All right, get him on the phone and see if there's anything there. It's possible. It's entirely possible. Blackstone, it's got its pinky and everything, and it's got it's got mean it's got uh, interests and a conflict of interest in all of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, BlackRock is massive and huge, and uh, they are very interested and supportive of this kind of authoritarian model. So think about this for a second. In 2017, the Communist Party of China goes to Hong Kong. You know, they have the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, all these companies on it. Goes to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, says every company listed here um, has to uh, put in its company charter that the Communist Party of China gets the final decision in every corporate decision. Now, this had to be voted on by the shareholders in these companies, right, wow. in Hong Kong. So Vanguard, you know, big financial company, votes against it. Absolutely, we do not want this. Wow. BlackRock voted in favor. <laughs> but isn't Vanguard bad as well? Yeah, I'm sure they're bad. <laughs> but I'm saying on this, in contrast, I mean, wow. at least some of them got it right. BlackRock actually said, no, we actually think this is a good idea. What's the What's the GDP of China? Uh, the GDP of China is, is uh, you know, probably about 60% of the United States. So, so- 12 BlackRock might be like, we can take them. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. No, for real. Yeah. I mean, but China's growing fast. Yeah, it is growing fast. Seven, eight percent clip and they're expected to surpass us in a few years. So I wonder if, you know, we look at stuff like Joe Rogan's show and the fact that he's just some regular guy, kind of comedian populist being so, so, so successful. We, we, I look at a lot of this and I'm like, clearly the free speech is winning. But if in the long run, China's growth outweighs ours, will it matter if we have cultural victories when the economic victory is in China's lap? Uh, it's a good question. And I think it depends on, on what we think the, uh, the average American is going to do. I still think the average American is the center of gravity. Ultimately, if, if the average American rises up and says, we're not going to tolerate this, they can still win over elites. Um, and I want to believe that there's still the fight there, right? That, the average American, when they see these things being eroded, they get pushed far enough. They're going to stand up and say, push no more. We're done. Yeah, but I think what we saw with the uh, with the COVID lockdowns, a good portion of this country are just like, yeah. tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Although they didn't, you know, they didn't lock down in certain states because I knew they couldn't get away with it. But you're right. California, New York, a lot of places, a lot of people kind of caved, right? Yeah, but like we knew we couldn't count on them anyway. <laughs> Something were to happen with China. Like, oh, no, the Californians and the New Yorkers were no help. Who well, that's the, that's that's the scary uh, future projection. It's really funny. There was a. Uh, I got a Facebook reminder and it was like old memories. And it was a post I made in 2017 where I was like authoritarian dictatorship is coming to the United States. It was early 2017. I said the conspiracy theory is Trump being the Trojan horse for authoritarianism because he will be demonized and vilified to the point where it rallies the left into accepting authoritarianism. And then in the name of stopping the rise of fascism, you get 
hardcore far left pro China. Right. And then, you know, that it was kind of just like something I'd seen on the internet and I typed up. But, uh, there's, there's other theories, other, other, you know, I, I shouldn't say theories, but like people genuinely believe if it came to like Donald Trump winning in 2024, that people in California would clap and cheer when China landed, you know, U-boats or something on the shores to, to come in and save them from fascism or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you, th- you look at history when, when dictators have taken over, they never come and say, Hey, I'm going to be your dictator. I'm going to control your life. Yeah. It's always, I'm going to protect you from this terrible, evil thing that's even worse than me. Well, so I don't know if you saw the Boston Globe story from, uh, 2020 election where they said, you know, it was like Podesta and Donna Brazil were war gaming as the Democrats. And they had pressured the West West Coast states to secede from the union should Donald Trump win. <laughs> now, if that kind of sentiment actually did exist, what do you think? Like, let's let's imagine there is some kind of national divorce or whatever. Right. And then come 2024, Donald Trump is like, you know, got his hand on the Bible and he's like, I am the new 47th president or whatever. <laughs> and then California, Oregon, Washington, they're like, yo, we out. Yeah. What, do, what, what happens? I mean, does China just see an opportunity? Do they just say, oh, it's fair game? Cause who's got Hawaii now that the Western states yeah. are cut off from the, the rest of the country? Who's going to defend uh, Taiwan? I mean, I actually, I kind of think Taiwan would fall before then if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think, um, China, of course, would love a divided America and they're pushing for it in so many different ways. And unfortunately, there are, uh, a substantial number of Americans, I would say mostly on the political left, although there's probably some on the right that, that actually fear their fellow Americans more than they fear a regime in China yeah. or, or, or these other cases. And that, that, that's just tragic. That's just tragic. And yeah, well, I mean, I mean, look at the defense that, uh, the establishment waged for China when Trump was engaging in the trade war and things exactly. like that. It was like, oh, this is wrong and bad. You shouldn't do this. It's going to destabilize the global economy. It's bad for everybody. And it's like, yo, they have concentration camps. Like we talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. And the Chinese leaders said, uh, you know, that their best lobbyists were Wall Street. They didn't have to <laughs> lobby. They didn't have to lobby. I mean, they outright said it. We don't have to lobby uh, the Trump administration on tariffs because Wall Street will do us for us. Wow. Yep. <sighs> Unbelievable. So where does that like? Do you think are are you familiar with Thucydides' trap? Yes. Do, do you think we, for those that aren't familiar, it's a you know a rising economic power reaching the dominant power. It typically results in war. Do you think we're heading in that direction? Uh, I I think so in a way, but I also think there's a very real opportunity. I think China is a. Uh, brittle regime. I don't think it has the widespread support that people think it does. I think it's very akin to the Soviet Union. You have this cast of people on the top that, that benefit from the system, but you've got a lot of people that are resentful of it. In China, you have the economic growth you didn't have in the Soviet Union, but you have a huge problem in the fact that, you know, China had this one child policy for so long. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was, um, you know, parents wanted to have one child. They wanted it to be a boy. They didn't want it to be a girl because a boy is going to provide for them in their old age. So the estimates are that in some cases, you know, within uh, the demographic group of like 25 to to, uh, 40 year olds, there may be like 150 million more men in China than there are women. Now yeah. that that is grounds for uh, a civil war in that country. No, yes. Uh, no, no, no joke. I mean, look. Yeah. You want to you want to get serious for a minute and also people are going to laugh and probably roll their eyes, especially the feminists, but 150 million more men you said? Yes. So those are going to be guys who can't get women can't get dates in right. cells. In, right. Seriously, and, right. and they're going to they're going to lose it. Right. I mean yes. it's it's not it's not about making fun of neckbeards. It's not about making fun. Yes. It's about young men who have literally no opportunity to f- 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 to fulfill a, a a a massive internal desire for having a family. Right. And they are going to have nothing. Yeah. Right. They're going to lose their minds. Well, yeah. when you look at the vast majority of the crime problem in this country, including really heinous 
insane crimes that rarely occur, such as massacres or school shootings, or whether it's just street crime like a burglary. They're almost all committed by men who feel as if they have no buy-in to the system mm. and they have no way to rise up and be successful. And a huge part of that is the ability to start a family. Right. And if you don't believe that there's any hope for that, you're going to become a deranged individual. If you don't have that hope, it's so necessary. And it's such an important part of being a man and a productive person in general. And so if China has 150 million men who have no prospect of ever being with a woman, that is going to be unbelievably and horrifically damaging to that country. Except colonization. Yeah. So we are seeing the modern form of colonization from China. Yeah. As many people who live there to escape crowding and find better, you know, uh, better, uh, better lives are leaving the country. So a lot of these young men might just say, I've got to leave China and go somewhere yeah. else to try and find a life. And I just want to make this clear. When I'm talking, when I'm talking about men who have no bind to the system, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, oh, they're not accountable for their actions or something like that. But the link I'm trying to draw is usually when we talk about someone like a school shooter, for example, we'll, we'll highlight the fact that this was an incel, right? And like these are, it, it's really, it's not exactly the perfect term for it, but it's like you have 150 million incels. You could get them VR porn. And, but uh, I don't know if sticking people wait, in a machine wait, with digital pornography is enough to make them not psychotically. I mean, it's another kind of psychosis. Yeah, I got to say that, that's absurd. Obviously, you get them waifu body pillows. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Well, I'm talking about after. I was I <laughs> thought that that one already hadn't worked out. That hadn't, one hadn't worked, worked yet. Out yet. So okay. we had to. I wonder if China is going to stick a no, bunch I, of people in pods, try and generate their piezoelectric heat. For electricity and <laughs> a, a little, hope a li they don't go crazy. I, I'm with you to a certain degree in like uh, VR girlfriends and stuff like that to try and uh, you know or like robots or something to try and you know calm the rage. But uh, I, I don't know about harness you know pulling a matrix on them in that capacity. Maybe maybe Might be a little too premature. Well, I think premature. I think um, leaving the country is a more I think with, fluid I think, option. I think we're yeah. gonna see. Waves of, you know, uh, adult Chinese men just moving out and trying yeah. to find wives in other places. So now we, if we can think 20 years in the future, what would we do now to present an environment for those people to come? Because we need to make way for these displaced Chinese men. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it, 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 to me, it's one example of the fact that China has problems too. It's not like they're this superpower that can't be, uh, you know, uh, defeated that, that they're, they're inevitably going to be more powerful than us. Uh, so I think we need to recognize that and we need to play to our strengths, not play to their strengths. And I think, you know, when you look at China, the problem is the Chinese communist party. It's not the Chinese people. Um, you know, Reagan said that in the Cold War, our enemies are not the Russians, it's this, it's the Soviet leadership. And I view the same way with China. We've got to have that. Reagan, did, uh, sorry, uh, Trump did some of that in his speaking. Um, his Secretary of State did the same thing. Joe Biden lumps it all together. China is China. It's not. You've got a clique that's running the country uh, that is oppressing the rest of them. And then you've got the ordinary Chinese who you know, cannot be that happy with the Chinese Communist Party. Well, let's talk about what's going on at home for a minute to see if we can clean up the mess down here. We got the story from the New York Post. Hunter Biden's former business partners cooperated completely with feds in tax probe. The New York Post reports Devin Archer, who was awaiting sentencing in an unrelated fraud case, is among four people reportedly referenced in a May 15th, 2019 subpoena, first reported by the Post, sent to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank for records related to any transaction involving the Bank of China. The others include James Biden, a younger brother of President Joe Biden. A partial copy of the subpoena was posted online by the Marco Polo USA Research Group headed by Garrett Ziegler, 
who works as a White House policy analyst under who worked as a White House policy analyst under former President Trump. Mr. Archer was not aware of the specific subpoena from 2019, which appears directed to a bank. His lawyer, Matthew Schwartz, told the Post in an email. But Mr. Archer has cooperated completely with the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office investigation from the moment he he became aware of it. So they're looking into transactions involving China. The first thing I want to say is, uh, look, there may be some connection to Hunter Biden. But if if you were if you were to ask me, do I think anything in, in, in terms of accountability would happen to the Biden family? I would say probably not. Maybe if Donald Trump gets elected in 2024. But, uh, Peter, you seem to be much more of an expert than I. So what do you think? Well, I don't know. You, you might be right, Tim. I think if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, you're going to get congressional hearings. They Some of those committees have subpoena powers. Will they impeach Joe Biden? I think they should. Well, they they, they marry, may very well. I mean, one of the things that, that troubled me the most in this new book, you know, I did the first Hunter Biden China stuff back in 2018 in a book that I wrote. And at that time, it was a story of like corruption and cronyism and self-dealing and all that. What we did more recently for this book is we went through the Hunter Biden laptop and we went through uh, some of the emails of one of his business partners who gave us access to his Gmail account. And we wanted to figure out. So the Biden's got all these deals in China that Hunter wasn't qualified for. Um, who actually made it rain? Right. Who actually gave the Bidens this money, which is like thirty one million dollars in deals. So we traced it back. And what we found is that there were four guys that set these deals up. Every single one of these guys has links to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So like one guy named Che Fang set him up for a, a you know a twenty million dollar payday. You know, Che Fang at the time was business partners with a vice minister of state security who's in charge of recruiting foreign spies for the Chinese. You know, <laughs> wow. you can't make this up. I mean, the, the, and, and every single case this was. So, you know, the, the Biden case no longer is just cronyism and corruption. I mean, we have to entertain the notion that the Chinese targeted the Bidens. They got the, they got the Bidens and that the Bidens are compromised. You know, it's an intelligence operation. I mean, it has all the markings of it. Isn't it crazy that we spent so many years talking about Trump and Russia? Yeah. But now we're here talking about Biden and China. Yeah, and, and, and here, you know, unlike the Trump case, I mean, when the, when the Trump stuff, when the dossier first came out, okay, I fell for it. And I was like, hey, we got to look at this. Like, this looks serious. We got to investigate it. And then, you know, five or six mon- months later, you realize this thing is completely falling apart. But there, you had no money, right? You had this, this anonymous dossier, but you had no money. Uh, you had no deals. You had no, you know, links to intelligence. With the Bidens, you've got money. Nobody disputes they got the $31 million. And now you've got the fact that the people that made these deals happen all have these intelligence links. So it's completely compromised. And I think that Congress needs to hold those hearings and they need to get the Bidens under subpoena to testify in front of Congress to explain it. But I agree with you, the the law enforcement, you know, I've kind of given up on the fact that they're going to hold these these elites Uh, accountable. There's a different set of uh, law and justice for elites than there is for ordinary but, Americans. Today. And, and even as it far as it can go with a congressional hearing, look, Fauci lied under oath on numerous yeah. occasions and nothing. No accountability. Happens. No accountability. You're exactly so right. You, you, you look, I think at this point, we, we look at all the past stories we've already discussed, this, the split between the left and the right. I, I think it's fair. If I were to ask all of you listening, do you think when it comes to, you know, say Joe Rogan or anybody else that the left would be willing to compromise and say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll concede this point. The, the answer is, of course not, that they won't. Yeah. They'll keep pulling and pulling and pulling. It's only the right and the liberty side that keeps conceding. In, in, in that capacity, 
I think it's fair to realize there will never be federal law enforcement accountability for Joe Biden and his family, no matter how much gets reported on it, or Anthony Fauci, no matter how much it gets reported. In which case, what ends up happening is it doesn't matter if there's hard evidence or not. The Republicans come in and they'll be like, hey, we're going to impeach. Why? It's partisan. Yeah. We, we, we discussed this with, um, there was that, that Pennsylvania story about the judges striking down the mail-in voting law. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard that recently. Yeah. And the judge basically refused to, uh, to rule on it during the 2020 election because they said, you wait until after your guy already lost to file this. Right. The judge had, had decided because of party affiliation, he would not rule on the merits because I assume your side is just doing this to win. If we're at the point where a judge won't look at the actual merits and will just say, well, you're t- team A, I'm team B, so I say you lose. Yeah. Well, that's going to be, that's happening in law enforcement. At what point do people just say the system is clearly broken? There's not going to be any accountability. So it's going to be lawfare effectively. If the, if the, you know, policy lawfare or whatever, if the Republicans win the House and the Senate, eh, they're going to impeach Joe Biden for the sake of it. But this time, will they be able to muster up enough to actually get a conviction? I'd, I'd wager probably not. It'll be the exact same thing we saw. And it's, it's basically just a tit for tat until finally the, the, the tower just crumbles and falls because, you know, I don't know how our, how our, how our country can sustain this kind of hyper-partisan politic, you know, political attacks and conflict, you know? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's scary. I mean, the scenario you laid out is, is accurate and scary. And part of it is there's not a sense. I mean, you guys disagree with me, obviously, if you do, there just is not a sense of truth with a capital T anymore. And so what do I mean? It's like it's, you know, in the case that you're talking about the judge, it's not a question of the merits of of the case or the evidence. It's who's bringing the facts and the evidence. I mean, I face the same thing all the time. People say, oh, you know, these are just right wing attacks against the Bidens. And I'm like, explain to me which of these facts are right wing. I mean, they're all from Chinese corporate documents and Hong Kong financial records. There's no right-wing facts and left-wing facts. They're facts, and you can debate them, and you can say whether they're accurate, but we've reached this point. It's like this post-truth uh, element where it yep. doesn't really matter whether it's true. It's who's actually bringing the evidence, and I'm going to attack the messenger rather than actually deal with the underlying evidence. It's scary. Man. Well, I, I, it's, 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 it's simple. I mean, I think Jimmy Dore is a really great example. The dude's clearly economically and culturally left, mm-hmm. but because he questions the establishment— He's right wing. Yeah. And that's, that's, look, you know, they call me right wing and I'm like, well, look, I'm centrist. So I can understand yeah. why they view me and they'll say those things. But like, come on, Jimmy's basically a socialist. And I right. don't mean that as disrespectfully. I mean, I think he calls himself that. And they're starting to argue that he's like a right wing grifter. Right. So clearly left and right just means whose side, it, it just means team A, team B. It doesn't even mean left and right anymore. Yeah. And there's that Matt Tiabi and, and Glenn Greenwald right. are kind of in the same boat. I mean, those guys are both left wing, but because they actually want to try to get to the truth. Um, they get hammered. Well, uh, truth has a right-wing bias. Huh. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, what, what was that, Colbert, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah nice try. How uh, much of a, a lie do we live in right now? How much truth can people handle in what increments when we start rolling out the truth? Man. Yeah. You're getting philosophical on they this. Yeah, <laughs> we're built on the a house is, of cards, yeah. and if we start moving these cards around, there's a chance the entire thing's well, going to— This is one of the theories that, that a friend of mine uh, who's in D.C., former member of Congress, said, you know, I said, you know, they won't have these hearings on, uh, you know, the origins of COVID. And he said, well, of course they won't. And I said, what do you mean, though, of course they won't? He said, because if they actually come to the truth, they'd have to do something about it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we, um, we had Tom Garrett on, and he mentioned that when he was in Congress— 
the Republicans would come to him and be like, well, don't actually support our bill. Because then if we win, what do we have left? <laughs> yep. You know. Yeah. And so there were very much often stories like that or stories of Republicans being like, oh, we can't support that bill. They'll call us racist. Yeah. So it, it's remarkable how when you learn how things are going behind the scenes that it's all one big joke. It's one big game being played. Well, and, and this is why, I mean, look at the rise, you know, like you and Joe Rogan and some of the other people out there. I mean – you obviously have to be courageous what you're doing, but part of it is too, you have a, a basis of financial independence based on the business that you've developed. And that's key. I mean, you think about people that get canceled, um, you know, people that, that, you know, need to fit into the establishment as part of their business model. If you don't have that independence, I mean, you're screwed. And so, you know, when you're talking about truth and how much truth do the average Americans want, you just look at leaders and and they may know what the truth is, uh, but they can't discuss it and enunciate it because it could destroy their livelihood. They don't have the independence that you have and other people. Well, have. I'll tell you one thing that really drives a lot of these like uh, left activist types nuts is that here we have no investors, no big you know institutional yeah. investors in any way. Right. right. And so there's always this narrative of like, oh, this person is funded by the Koch brothers or the Mercers, <laughs> right, right, right. and they they they. I've still I've seen activists try to make that claim, like he, he must be getting funding right. from them, and it's right. like, right. No, just regular people are sick and fed up, and have yeah. started to fund conversations that they think you know works for them. For uh, you know, for someone like Joe Rogan. He just he, I I don't think he runs any like kind of membership thing. He's just got ad revenue. Right. But I'm 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 pretty sure if. You know, the Spotify thing with Rogan resulted in him getting booted and he announced like sign up for Joe Rogan premium. Yeah. He'd be making a hundred times, 10 times as much money than he's making right. now. Right. Hundred million dollar Spotify deal with 11 million listeners per episode. Yeah. Imagine if he got 1% to give 10 bucks per month. And they fear that. Joe could make it 120, 20 yeah. million per year. Yeah. Just off of that. No, they fear, they fear that. They fear the fact that you've got subscribers. They fear that there are these other independent sources of information out there because they can't get to the nub of it. Uh, and they can't eliminate it. Um, and, and that's really, unfortunately, what the left wants is they want dominance. Um, and here's the interesting question that I would ask you because I have a theory on this. You know, the left wants to shut down debate. It comes from a position of, you know, real cultural strength. But I think it, it, it really shows their profound intellectual weakness. Mm. Because if they really believe, I mean, think about this. They shut down all these speakers from going on college campus. If they really felt like these conservative speakers going on college campus are these crazed, you know, you know, racists, misogynists, whatever. I mean, I'd say like, let them stand up there and embarrass themselves. But they don't want them to speak. They don't want them to speak because they know the power of the ideas. They are, they are fundamentally lack confidence in their own ideas. I think also on top of that, even if you did hear that person's ideas and reject them on their merits, it wouldn't be good enough for the left because they don't want you to reject someone because you thought for yourself and decided to reject them. They want you to reject somebody because they told you to. Yeah. 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 You I, have to obey. That's the point. I get that it's like a lot of people, it seems like a lot of people repeating what they've been told when you talk about the left. And I see that in religion sometimes people be like, I read it. I was told this is real. So this is real. And like, that's different than when you really believe something because then you can debate it to anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. To you know, think it through. I mean, to be somebody on the left, you can almost get there by osmosis these days because the culture is telling you all these things. If you're going to be, you know, center right, you really have to think things through. That's what's really fascinating. You know, uh, uh, for the longest time when all media was controlled, when there were only a few broadcast towers to consume from, 
there was very little right wing conversation happening. The establishment just controlled it all. And it was fairly moderate, left leaning and slowly drifting left. With the rise of the Internet, all of a sudden you ended up with right wing spaces, areas where individuals could now start speaking and communicate and maintain their value systems. And that's been been an impossibility for the left. But with that Internet as well, you end up with the left moving 10 times faster than they ever did, pulling further and further to the left, spiraling out of control. But uh, aside from that, I'll just make the point about Joe Rogan. You know, uh, in talking about what the left believes and, you know, what what, what Seamus was saying, everybody, it's it, it, it's almost pointless to even say because so many people have made this point already that none of these people complaining about Joe even watched watches watch his show. Right, they don't listen to exactly. it. They have no idea why they're mad. <laughs> right, right. And that's the scary thing. And the example <laughs> right. I like to use is uh, this guy I know posted a meme, a tweet in reference to uh, Joe Rogan. And a guy said, in Germany, we have a saying, if there are 11 people at a table and one of them is a Nazi and the other 10 are talking to him, you have 11 Nazis. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I mean, that's a psychotic mm-hmm. statement because mm-hmm. there's so much nuance there. Is he there because it's a, it's a, you know, did the Nazi go to a meeting to de-radicalize the other 10 right. people, like right. former, you know, people trying to de-radicalize him? Right. But the, the fascinating thing there is that the point they're making about Joe is that it doesn't matter how many people he has on that support the narrative. If he brings on one who doesn't, it's right. all bad and it must be, you know, just removed or, or banned. In Germany, the story I like to bring up is when there was a journalist and Luke, Luke Rudkowski, who was on the show for, for a decent amount of time and now he's in Florida. He was walking down the street when someone yelled randomly, Nazi Schweinhund, and pointed at him and this other journalist. So other random people who had no idea who he was started physically attacking him. Oh. Another guy we know was a journalist. And someone screamed at him randomly, Nazi Schweinhund. And so guys ran up, jumped him and started punching him in the head and grabbed his camera from him. And it's like, he's just some journalist guy. They, 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 they hurt these people. Luke got beat up just randomly because someone pointed and said those words. That was all it took for these, these psychopaths to physically harm other people. That is a cult. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that, and that is dangerous. And when they all come out and they're like, Joe Rogan must be banned. And you go, why? Because right. what, what did he say? I don't know. Right. Well, they don't care. They just want it done. And then I think the question is, if 11 people being at a table and one of them being a Nazi means that all 11 are Nazis, is Daryl Davis a Klansman for going to talk to people in the KKK and trying to de-radicalize them? Do you see what happened when Daryl Davis went to our event? No. Are you familiar with Daryl Davis? No. He's a famous black jazz musician mm-hmm. who one day he said to himself, I don't understand how someone could hate me if they don't even know me. So he went and actually met with white supremacists and Klansmen. Wow. He went to Klan rallies. And he actually talked to him. Wow. And then eventually these clan guys started giving up the robes and quitting and being like, I never oh, realized amazing. these stories weren't true. Right. Amazing. So we had an event in, 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 uh, in the Philly suburbs called, uh, what, do, what it was called ending violence, racism and authoritarianism. And it was like a generally classically liberal event. Right. We had a bunch of people across the political spectrum who all agreed like, Hey, these are things we don't like. Antifa showed up threatened to burn the theater down. We were forced to move it to a smaller venue at a casino with more security. And Daryl Davis was our keynote speaker. Mm. He got a standing ovation from the crowd as he explained how his, the robes had been given to him. He, he, at the after party, we still had it across from the original theater because the people who ran that venue were unwilling. They were like, we're not going to back down. And when Antifa was outside and the police were blocking it, Daryl was like, I'm going to go out and talk to these guys because, you know, that's his, his view. Yeah. How good they hate me? He did it with the clan. And they started screaming at him, Nazi and racist and white supremacist. And they would not listen to a word he said. And then he made a post on Facebook that went viral where he said, I cannot believe this. That he, he, he posted this story how he said he could walk up to a clan meeting yeah. and they would, they would talk to him and tell him what they believed. 
But these far left Antifa types just yelled at him and refused to talk at all. And he was shocked by it. Mm. So mm. to answer, to make answer, to respond to your point, yes, they, yeah, they very really much view him as far right and a Nazi mm. and all that stuff. In fact, he's been smeared because the Klansmen give him the robes and he keeps them. And he shows everybody, look what they've given up. And they're like, aha, he's got it. That proves it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's insane. That's so insane. Yeah, that's so but how do we live with like, a, you know, when you have a, a massive cult like that? I mean, look, I'll make this point, too. To these leftists, they, they, they insult and smear, you know, the white Christian male. Seamus and I do not believe. There's a lot of things we don't yeah, believe. Seamus yeah. is very, very religious. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But here we are having conversations. We get along. Yeah. We're good friends. Yeah. How is it that we all found a way to live together? But these these people are absolutists and don't accept that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, if you look at history, the the thing that sticks out to me most are the Maoists, right? In the Cultural Revolution, which was um, it was you weren't discussing anything. You weren't asking people to explain anything. They would go through in the village. And if they saw somebody that had uh, uh, reading glasses, you know, they'd immediately say, well, you're an intellectual. You're a, you're a threat. You know, they would throw yeah. them in wow. prison based on simple things yeah. like that. If you had books, you know, you're a threat yeah. to the state. And, and it's wow. this, this, this inability to even have a conversation, uh, to try to understand the other person. And it shows it's really not about a care about people. It's yeah. about this, this, um, you know, cultic belief system they well, have. You know, I get nervous when I think about Mao's revolution and they all were targeting what they called rightists. Yes. They were big on getting, weeding out the right. And I don't want to find ourselves in the same position inadvertently weeding out the leftists like making the other out of this idea of a leftist where because that's exactly what Mao was doing so I I, I don't want to divide people in that sense I understand there's there's is a psychosis going around right now but you know uh, Ian I I hear you and I agree with you but I also want to make the point that you know I made earlier that there's there's a hard line when the left for the most part is completely I would say almost at is, is, is almost absolute in their belief structure they don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, but they want him purged. They 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 go around and destroy and smash up businesses and burn down buildings. And as long as you know someone like you is constantly saying like, oh well, we shouldn't demonize these people and we should figure out a way to like you know avoid that conflict, they're going to say thank you for conceding and giving us more power. We'll, we'll may, exploit you for that. Maybe it could be punish the behavior, but not the people. Well, and I would also say too. I mean, to Tim's point, you have this hardcore elements. That does this. And then you have what used to be called fellow travelers, right? These are the guys that kind of went along and they're not as, as strongly committed. And maybe those are the ones you're talking about. The big question though is, Tim, I don't know what you think about this is, you know, what portion of the, of the left are hardcore left and what portion are followers? I mean, can any of them be, be persuaded? Uh, I, I do think if we look at the polling data, we mentioned, I mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier. Yeah. We're seeing an erosion from, we're seeing a larger portion of Democrat-aligned individuals becoming Republican as opposed to the opposite. Right. That – it shows the Democratic Party is eroding. I don't think the Republican Party is the solution. I do think the people that are joining the Republicans are doing it out of frustration and looking for some kind of meaningful opposition they're not going to find. But, you know, I think that's the difference. Yeah. The people who are in the Democratic alignment are probably default liberal followers or willfully ignorant and willfully going along with it. Mm-hmm. The issue is – you know, the, here, here's here's the point I was making earlier, uh, Ian. The Chinese Communist Party is absolute. If you oppose the Chinese Communist Party, you must be stopped at all costs. In the United States, we're allowed to speak out and and smack talk our leaders and our politicians. We're allowed to insult the Democratic Party to great to the to a great extent. So that 
goodwill that we are allowed, that freedom is exploited by the authoritarians. They say, thank you. Now we will use that fact to fund dissent in your country and erode it. So when we're dealing with groups of people that are absolutists, and I'll I'll give you another uh, something to think about. These people on the left call you far right. And they're unwilling to tolerate you. They, they, they would call you an extremist or alt-right or whatever, like that, you know, that one guy who was on Joe's show keeps doing. And, and, and you keep trying to say, well, let me extend that olive branch. Well, they're taking two steps back. You take two steps forward. They take two steps back again. And you're like, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Keep, keep, keep coming, keep coming. I know where this keep, leads. More, more. Hammer and anvil. This is, this is right. an old Carthaginian tactic. I'm going to be <laughs> surrounded pretty soon if I keep coming towards you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So at a certain point, you just say, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stay here. Look, you know, for the longest time, the Republican Party has very much been like, we're going to stop and stand right here. And it hasn't worked. The uh, gun control is the best example. Right. Every day, the Democrats say we want to ban more guns and they keep doing it. The activists respond saying, Ian, no one's trying to take your guns. We're just being reasonable. And then you show a picture of Waco and say this has been going on for decades. But where's any Republican to be like, unban the guns? There's no. So it's it's just constantly being pulled in the direction of authoritarian. Couldn't I just be like, keep offering the olive branch? And then when they all come out, like, ha ha, now you're surrounded. I'll be like, yeah, and explode into super. And then they'll all like find the love. That's kind of my. No, but um, one one option is to plant yourself like a tree and say, these are my principles. I will not move. But the olive branch. Olive branch is available to you anytime you come here and knock on my door. Mm. So I will not keep saying like, you know, look, they want to ban Joe Rogan. Why don't we offer a concession and just put warning labels? No, 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 no. If you don't like it, you know, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and, and Nils Lofgren, you're free to leave. They did. I respect it. Thanks. Have a nice day. Yeah, because here's the thing. First, it's the warning labels. They're not going to be satisfied with that. They'll move on to the next thing and the next thing. And that's, that's invariable. Gun or, control is a great example of that. Or the warning labels are proof. Yeah. You see, we were right. Yeah. They're even admitting now that it's right. misinformation. Ban right. it. Right. Well, right. Exactly. Peter, I have somewhat of an answer to your question. It's not perfect. It's not airtight, but it's just based on my experiences yeah. when you're sort of asking how many of these people are just regular Democrats and how many of them are extremists. So again, small sample size and a bias sample size. Okay. But I went to an art school. And the politics were generally very left-leaning. However, every left-leaning person, and I mean really far to the left-leaning person who I spoke with one-on-one or had conversations with behind closed doors or happened to hang out with, were much more willing to entertain conversations that would have been forbidden to them when other people weren't around. And they were more likely to tell jokes that would be considered offensive or laugh at jokes that I told that would be considered offensive. They were more likely to go there with you. And I think it's no mystery because leftism is fundamentally a collectivist Mm -hmm. philosophy Mm -hmm. that lefties are kind of only lefties when there's more than one of them around. If you catch one of these people by themselves, they're so much more reasonable. But as soon as they get into a group, they will not entertain anything you tell them. And I've had conversations with left-leaning people where I got them to admit things and accept things that they would never acknowledge in front of a group of people ever. I was at the battle, uh, the battle of Berkeley. I was at a bunch of them. I can't, I can't remember which one this one was, but, uh, it, it was the one where, uh, that, that young woman got punched in the face and that video went viral. Yeah. And there was this one guy who was in a video with her. And after everything was like dispersing and people were fleeing, I started talking to him. I was asking him, you know, about what's going on. He showed me his knife and he's like, I got to bring my knife, man. Cause these people are far right. You know, they're fascists and all that stuff. And I was like, you think the people in that park are fascists? And he was like, yeah, dude. And he, this is, this is, this is an Antifa guy by himself. And I was like, yo, 
see that group right there? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yo, that's like 90% old women. <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, but they're like fascists because like the older generation, man, they're like racist and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but come on. Like you think they're going to go and like pull out guns and knives and you need a <laughs> knife to stop them? Like they're old ladies. And he was like, well, you know, it's just for protection. And then I was like, and, and look at that. You see that? You see that, that flag right there? It says come and take it. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, these people are afraid that a fascist tyrannical government will oppress them. So they don't want their guns taken from them, right? And he goes, well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 like, right? They say, they say, don't take my guns. Let me keep my guns. And he goes, yeah, they want their guns. And I was like, and, and they say it's because they're scared of a tyrannical government taking over. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so it sounds like they're actually anti-fascist. <laughs> and he was like, well, I guess, but like they're racist and stuff. And I was like, well, it sounds like they want to be left alone from a tyrannical government, same as you. Maybe if you like talk to them and figure things out. There was one leftist guy who actually showed up to the event and he was like a hippie and he was wearing hippie clothes. And he was like, I love free speech. And I was like, what do you think about the people here? He's like, ah, oh, they're all racists. And he was in the park though. And he was like, but it's good that people are coming out expressing their free speech and I'm willing to talk to them and tell them they're wrong. And I was like, hey man, yeah, right on. That's what it's all about. But these other guys, you know, when, when you isolate these people, that's how they get away with it. They isolate these young activists, fill their heads with lies, and then tell them, don't talk to them because they'll lie to you and they're mm. grifters mm. and they'll try and trick you. And then these people get scared. And, mm. you know, the other thing is cancel culture isn't about canceling the right to a great degree. A lot of people on the right are like, the left is trying to censor us. And that's true. It's true. But one thing, one part of cancel culture you need to understand is that it's that it's an enforcement for the cultural left on the cultural left. If you are a leftist and you speak out, we will come for you. So shut your mouth and do as you're told. It's not just a th the right for the most part. They're they're defiant. They're like, screw you, ban me. And then they get banned. The cancel culture makes fear among the ranks of default liberals where they're like, look, I can't speak up. I'll lose my job. So part of this, uh, what you were talking about, Seamus, of this pack, and, and Tim, you seem to have the same experience. You think this fact that the more intolerant is a group, that's a function of this enforcement mechanism you're yes. talking about? And maybe there's a little bit of virtue signaling there as well, right? You don't want to admit around your friends that, that uh, you know, the other person has common sense. Is there anything more to it than that? I don't know. I mean, I, so I had a friend reach out to me during the Nick Sandman debacle, and they were very on the left, and I always knew them as a left-winger, and they said... I think this is insane. The people I'm surrounded with and close to all think it's completely normal. And then there's part of me that wonders, do they? Like you're mm -hmm. reaching out to me because you know I'm your right-leaning friend. Maybe they're reaching out to their yep. like right-leaning friend mm -hmm. and saying the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, it is absolutely mind-boggling having one-on-one -on -one conversations with like critical race theory lefty types mm -hmm. when when their brains just break. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're like, did Mar you know? I, the question I always ask them is. Do you believe, are you a fan of, you know, Martin Luther King Jr.? Say yes. Do you agree with, with his dream speech that one day his four little children will be judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin? Like, absolutely. And then I'm like, so do you think it's right to judge people based on the color of their skin or to view them based on their race principally? And they're like, yes. And then I'm just like, doesn't that kind of contradict <laughs> that statement you just, look, well, you got to understand the nuances of what Dr. King really meant. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he did not mean that we should be judging people. Like right. he said it pretty explicitly, yeah. pretty but that, that's the question I always start with. Cause I'll be like, you know, I tell people like, look, you don't need to lie to me and claim you like Dr. King out of some social moral obligation. It's absolutely okay. If you want to come out and tell me you think he was wrong, I'm, I'm not going to get mad at you for it. We'll have a conversation about it. 
But because it is socially unacceptable to oppose the teachings of Dr. King, and some of them were good and some of them were bad. I mean, he's not a perfect guy or anything like that, that these people simultaneously hold contradictory views. The mm-hmm. modern view is that racial identitarianism among the left is, is a mandate, but also Dr. King is a, is a mandate as well, but they clash. Right. You know, the, the, Derek Bell is not a fan of those ideologies, and that's critical race theory. Yeah, so in a way, Malcolm X won, right? The, the, the debate between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X in the 60s about, you know, how the black community should go forward. Critical yeah. race theory is basically Malcolm X won, that racial identity is key. Yeah. Uh, element to who you are as a person. It's remarkable that um, we, we still live in a society where everyone recognizes that racial identitarianism is wrong, mm-hmm. but the left routinely somehow advances the cause of racial identitarianism, and they and these 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 left activists, more pronounced Democrat types, simultaneously hold or espouse both views at the same time. Yeah. Well, and also certain right racial identities are good, right? I mean, nobody would. I don't think anybody in, in normal conversation would say that, that, you know, white identity politics are good, um, and they're not, but there, there's an acceptance of black identity politics, and it seems to be contradictory to me. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you have to have a consistent principle here. I, identity politics in, in many ways is, I think, neutral, but it's the authoritarian application of identity politics to the, you know, it, it's, it's hard to actually quantify in a lot of ways, right? The civil rights movement, identity politics, certainly it's, it's, it was a good thing. And uh, there were some bad elements to it. There was violence. There were riots, of course. And, and, you know, we don't like a lot of that. But, uh, you know, we want to point out that if there is a racial disparity that we're like, okay, well, that's a problem. How mm-hmm. do you solve it? Well, the answer isn't more racism. Right. The, the answer is typically class-based or education-based or something like that. But uh, uh, I think critical race theory, wokeism, and these ideas are just used as a cudgel by the left because they know people – it is socially acceptable to say Martin Luther King Jr. was correct – and to oppose that, you'll be viewed as a racist. People don't want to be a racist, so the left just decided we can use this as, as, a, as a cudgel to beat anyone who opposes us and to scare them. Yeah, well, now we're at the point where they're like, you're a racist, you're a racist, and everyone's just like, I shut up. Mm-hmm. Just, you're, it's meaningless. It's, right. But, but as I was saying, you know, cancel culture very much is, is, is for the left. Mm-hmm. They, they want to make sure anybody on the left is scared to speak out. They're scared to come on shows like this. Cause if they did, I'll tell you what, we've invited people on the left to come on the show. And they would, uh, some have agreed to, but, but then at the last minute refused to. Uh. And, um, you know, without saying who specifically, I might have already said this in the past, but I'll just say without, without saying who. I think it's because if we got one of these leftists on the show with, say, Alex Jones or Steve Bannon, they would be saying, you're right, Steve. You're right, Steve. I mm-hmm. agree, Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve, you're also correct. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden people would say, aha, they agree with everything Steve Bannon said. They're, they're right wing. Right. Exactly. Even uh, though Steve Bannon's a populist and espouses many things like tax the rich, the left already agrees with. Right. Yeah. Well, and they eat each other and they know that people in their in-group will single them out and say, this person isn't ideologically pure enough. I have a clip of them sitting across from Tim Pool saying, I agree with that point. He agreed with Tim Pool on something. He needs to be purged from the movement. It's like, it's like I pointed out in that meme. You know, the guy says in Germany, if there's 11 people, one's a Nazi and the 10 are talking to him, you have 11 Nazis. Mm-hmm. That's why the left is is scared of cancel culture and, and this enforcement. And that's why they don't come on these shows. Uh, it's like that. It's, it's that meme that any sufficiently unmoderated forum will become right wing. Right. That's what happens on the Internet. If you have five people on a podcast and one of them is Tim Pool, all five of them are Tim Pool. <laughs> yeah. The way I, the way I describe it is that politics only flows in one direction. If uh, if you have a, if you have an Antifa member and a Proud Boy and they're sitting there having a conversation and drinking beers, they're both Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. There's no instance where the Proud Boys or the right is going to be like that Proud Boy is secretly Antifa. They're going to be like, why is he talking to Antifa? And the left is going to be like two Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. only flows in one direction. Mm-hmm. So where that ends up, 
um, I mean, honestly, it sounds like the left loses because yeah. they'll just excise all of their members until there's nothing left. Well, exactly. Yeah. And so one thing you said earlier, which is a white pill, and which I wholeheartedly agree with, is that the corrupt authority structure of the Chinese government is actually quite brittle. Because when you are corrupt, of course, that means that your structure has less integrity. And so ultimately, even though I'm not like out to lunch here, I'm not saying there's nothing to be done. I'm not saying there's no threat. I think there is some assurance in the fact that at the end of the day, goodness and truth do triumph. And I firmly believe that. Well, they do. And I think if you look at history, I mean, uh, tyrants have done really well uh, for some time, but eventually people get fed up, mm -hmm. right? They get fed up with it. And the concentration of power, this is the thing that I always get excited about, right? The the, the thing that, that fuels my desire to investigate corruption and the way that I view the world is I just have this profound distrust of people having a lot of power. Yeah. Now, sometimes it's necessary, right? You're fighting a war. You're fighting the Nazis in World War II. You got to have generals. You got to have political leaders that have a lot of power in order to win the battle. That sometimes happens. But in normal, peaceful time, um, I don't want to have people that have a lot of power over my life. And I'm particularly suspicious of people in government doesn't mean that 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 corporate power isn't a huge problem but I, I you know generally bill gates can't force me to do anything i mean he can try to persuade me to buy windows products and he can he can't compel me to do anything the government can compel me to do stuff yeah those are the ones i really fear and i think a lot of people have have, have come there a lot of disillusioned people on the left were given, they were sold all these promises of what government was going to be able to do for them and help them. And of course, we want government to help people in ways that it can, but it's been so disappointing in the promises that they offered and they've never delivered. And that's what's exciting when people start thinking independent. That's, you know, you look at Canada, what's going on? Those truckers didn't think, Hey, I want to go on a 600 mile drive to Ottawa just for the hell of it. I've never seen Ottawa before. They're animated because their governments failed them, and they're tired of it. Must have been crazy when they were getting yeah. gas. <laughs> no, for real. That's hilarious. Like, I'm sure the price went stop. up in Canada just from all the truckers driving. <laughs> well, you know, eventually they all got to pull in, and they're all fueling up, and yeah. maybe some of them get in line in intervals and stuff, but probably, you know. Yeah. Probably. No, I think I, I, I would piggybacking off of what you're saying and how there are some people who really do believe that the government is, is there to take care of them. And sort of contrasting that to either a very cynical attitude or maybe even an optimistic attitude like the, the one that we share when it comes to truth and goodness. The naive person looks at a corrupt system and says, it's not going to affect me. It's not going to hurt me. The cynical person says, it's going to hurt me and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's going to continue to hurt other people. I think the optimistic person says, this might hurt me. But in the long run, everything is going to be okay. Even if I don't end up being comfortable with my life, even if I die, ultimately truth will prevail. You know what scares me is that idea of survival at all costs. Mm -hmm. You know, that people are willing to just sit back and say, let the machine do as it pleases as long as I can just make it another day. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you got to take risks, man. And cynicism does, it's funny because naivete does that, but cynicism also does that because a person says, there's nothing I can do to fight this. It's going to win. Right. I get nervous about the idea of truth. Um, I find it so subjective. I know we have this conversation from time to time, objective versus subjective truth. Every like, episode. <laughs> every, when you zoom out, the further you zoom out, the less things are what you thought they were. And you realize that I'm just defining the, you know, reality with this form of truth. When if I zoom out, I can def redefine it. It's the same reality. Both truths are right. Which one do we adhere to? And so I don't want to get obsessed with the truth. Because I think that that can be well, weaponized. There's, 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 a, there's a good uh, comic where it's two guys and there's a six 
or a nine, depending on which way you're standing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're both looking from different angles, pointing down, saying six, and the guy's saying nine. Yeah. They're both right. Yeah. Well, I don't know that from, because somebody painted a six or a nine there and intended it to be recognized as or a six or a nine. somebody painted a sideways symbol knowing it would be confusing and disruptive, mm, and that right. person was the Chinese Communist Party. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me on that I got one. you. I yeah. got you, Shane. I mean, I would say, obviously, I'm, I'm always going to argue in favor of objective truth, and it's a bigger discussion for the after show, but because I think ultimately what you're saying is – even the, the claim you're making about zooming out is a truth claim. You're saying the truth of it is when we zoom out, it looks like this. So you still believe in truth. But I, I want to ask you something here, Peter, because yeah. the, the the thing I really wanted to pick your brain about here is obviously you study political corruption a lot. What would you say is something that myself, Ian, Tim, Lydia, and, and the people in the audience probably haven't considered about corruption or, or some particularly corrupt elements within the system that aren't paid enough attention to? Oh, man, that's a good question. I think there's a lot more corruption than people realize. And it's not this sort of abstract. People kind of think that, you know, they're guys taking, you know, money in shoeboxes mm-hmm. and they're more sophisticated about that. There's there's the biggest corruption in Washington. The most profitable corruption in Washington, D.C. is legal corruption. Hmm. It's stuff that you can actually do and get away with. And the problem is the political class gets to write their own rules, Right. I mean, you've got a business, you're in business, Tim, you've got a business. We don't get to write our own rules. We have no. to conform with what the laws tell us, the, the politicians. They get to write their own rules. So um, that, to me, is, I think, the biggest concern that we all have to have is people always say to me, well, is it illegal? And the, the answer a lot of times is, well, it'd be illegal if we did it. But it's not if they do it because they got to write the rules and they wrote it that way. And the, you know, the insider trading on the stock market is the, is the classic example of this. Um, it was legal for a long time for members of Congress to do it. And then I wrote a book called Throw Them All Out, exposed it. We did a big 60 minutes episode. They confronted Nancy Pelosi with, you know, all the stuff that she was doing. And then they passed a law because people were so outraged. They passed a law called the Stock Act that was supposed to fix it. And then about four or five months later, in the House and the Senate, they had a voice vote, so nobody recorded the vote, to gut the bill. (laughs) And Barack Obama, in the middle of the night, there was no Rose Garden ceremony like there was the last time, signed it. And they totally gutted it. So it's bipartisan. And and what you find a lot of times is a lot of the combat you see going on in Washington, D.C., these guys are yelling at that guy. It's a little bit like professional wrestling. We're going to have Marjorie Taylor Greene back on the show, and she made an excellent uh, – well, she just, she told us something that was you know sh- shocking to a lot of people, that Democrats and Republicans just sit in a room where they're like, okay, we got a bill here in favor of Democrats, aye, Republicans, nay, Democrats get it, bang the gavel, moving on. There's no – they don't count the votes. They don't actually right. go through it. They don't debate it. It's just like bang, next, bang, next. But uh, the, she'll wanna, be coming back. I want to do a skit go, we where they go. Oh, can I hear all the yays? They're like, yeah, all the nays. Yeah. The yays <laughs> have it. So, we got to do right, this. We got to go to Super Chats. We got to go to Super Chats. We are way late. Right, right. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. For every like we get, it is one hunk in support of the, the trucker convoy. <laughs> one like, one hunk. And go to TimCast.com. We're going to have a members-only podcast up around 11 or so p.m. You're not going to want to miss it. This is where we, we're not so family-friendly. And uh, definitely check that out at TimCast.com. I can't read the name of the first Super Chat because that's how YouTube works. They say, the great honkening knows no borders, not between nations and not between real life and the Internet. And then there's a whole bunch of truck emojis <laughs> and some horns. Yeah. <laughs> I love how so many of the chats are just honk, honk. Honk. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's just <laughs> chatting <Sound> honk. <laughs> Everybody chant honk. Show us. Uh, uh, Neil Williams says, show us your honkers. 
<laughs> All right. It's, it's fun watching these videos, man. You know, people are like looking out their window and you hear just honking and wailing. And I'm like, dude, I dig it, man. <laughs> Dark World noted the begin- at the beginning of the show, 1.7K to 4.6K likes in 60 seconds. Because <laughs> I posted one like equals one hunk. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Rilo says, Tim, can you please clarify? When normal people cede ground to authoritarians, we are cowards, but when Rogan does it, it's tact. P.S. The freedom convoys must outlast government, else it will fail. Uh, certain circumstances are ceding ground, and certain circumstances are tact, and certain circumstances are literally both. Joe Rogan is quite literally being tactful and ceding ground. I think there's reason to criticize, but there's also a conversation to be had about Spotify's shares recovered after he made the, after he made the announcement. He gives some ground to the left. If we keep doing this, as, so this is literally what I said in in the segment. If the right, if 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 there are a hundred grains of sand on the right and a hundred grains of sand on the left, and we keep saying, well, to avoid losing ten grains of sand, the right will give up but one. It's tactful strategy. It's a strategic loss. But if that is the only path forward after you know ten years, the right has no grains of sand left. It's one tiny grain of sand. We don't think it's that big of a deal. My point is that. It may be beneficial in the long run to to uh, retreat because retreat in battle is sometimes the right move, but you can't only retreat. So it can be both. It really, really can. I mentioned this on this show, too. You know, I, and I've said not everybody can just up and leave their job. I totally understand that. Some people probably should. And some people might have to recognize that some you know, life will be very difficult and to do what they can. But I recognize that everybody could. And I recognize that we are under constraints as well, which is why we created a speakeasy, as it were, where we talk about what we can on this show, which is most things that 1% we can't, we have over at timcast.com and we're starting to put up on podcast platforms where we don't, so we're actually putting up about, we put up one uncensored show on Sundays now on that because we want to get those conversations out and bypass the censorship. I'm sorry, man. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's not perfect. And I'm not, I'm certainly not perfect, you know, but I try. All right. Siggy says, I am a lady truck driver in Alabama. We stand with our Northern, Northern brethren. Thanks for all those who show appreciation for drivers. We get a lot of ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. All right. Jay Benning says, I was at the Vancouver support protest this weekend. I was pessimistic thinking it was just a small group of us against the mandates. Driving through it gave me hope. Warms your heart. Yeah, man. So there's a uh, all these people online, these lefty liberal types are complaining. They're like, it's so noisy and they're harassing me. It's like, you know, in 2012, there was something called the casseroles protest where people all across Canada were going outside banging pots and pans. <laughs> and it was super noisy and loud. And they were like, yay. And I'm like, I'm, I'm down for either of it. It's nonviolence right. and disobedience, man. Yeah. Do your thing. Also, yeah. to quote AOC, when people were burning buildings down, protesters are supposed to make you a little uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it's honking, man. But it's funny because they're like, it's three days of non-stop honking. It's uh, earplugs, man. I mean, look, when the Extinction Rebellion people blocked the road in D.C., I I defended it. I said, hey, look, it's non-violent civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. Those who make peaceful revolution inevitable, or I'm sorry, uh, impossible make violent revolution inevitable. So people need to have that medium between destruction and obstruction. And if if a handful of people are like, I want to get my message out there, so they block a road, okay, the cops come in, they remove them. Mm -hmm. We say, you're going to get criminally charged for this. But we tolerate that level because we don't want people throwing firebombs. Right. So there's got to be some, you know, uh, some level. All right. Let's let's we got what's this? Alex says it wasn't just Ottawa. Honking happened in every city in Canada on Saturday. Confirmed. Why VR, why XX, why EG, why YC, why YZ and YHZ with video from friends and family. 
Reddit city subs confirmed. Winers and all the rest. Wow, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, man. People standing up for what they believe in. Great respect. Brownie Ninja says video idea for Seamus. Rich clones of two people run everything. The Millie O'Neill and Billy O'Neill. <laughs> Bernie is complaining that they are to blame for everything until the Millies start to fawn over him because they love his book. He turns into a million blames Billies. Oh my gosh, no! It's, I mean, it's it's legit. It's true. That's literally exactly what happened. I have to think about right. that. I just have to make sure that this person doesn't sue me when I take their idea. Yeah. You know, I'll have to get them to sign an NDA or something. It's like Bernie was like, everybody, we have to break into the mansion. <laughs> and, then, and then the moment he got to the door and knocked on it, they were like, Bernie, just screw those guys. Come on in the club. Like, and he's like, I can club in. You're in the club, bro. He's a million bucks. Uh, just a minute, everybody. I have to go inside this building real quick. And then they close the door and everyone's outside. <laughs> when you write a best-selling book, you can have... That's like, well, what, That's what Bernie, he said. What about the people who, like, gathered the lumber and then turned it into paper? And that, like, there's so many people yeah. who worked at their jobs to make that book happen. Besides you, Bernie, why are you the millionaire? I don't there's get it. There's that uh, Family Guy episode where everyone's complaining about the supermarket taking taking jobs and destroying the, the town's economy or whatever. So Peter's like, let's go protest. And then he walks in the air conditioning. And then, like, right. then he, he walked outside. And he goes, "You are trespassing on private property." <laughs> That's what it is, uh, you know. That's true. All right, let's see what we got. Matt B says, "A Canadian. I'm proud of these guys who are in Ottawa and provincial buildings. Also, name the last protest you've seen where people were shoveling the sidewalks and trucker were removing graffiti." Hmm. Yet uh, Toronto Sun says waving Nazi and Confederate flags and stealing food from homeless people. <laughs> you know what I really love about that trope? We have to feed the homeless. You yeah. hear that, and I'm like, dude, yeah. they're not foodless; they're homeless. Right. Some of the, a lot of the homeless people in the United States are very fat. Yeah. You know, so we need to home the homeless. <laughs> that was always the funniest thing to me because I work for nonprofits, and I'm just like, yo, why are we feeding people who ha- who don't have homes? Why don't we give them yeah. homes? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know, they're hungry, and I'm like. How do you know they're hungry? Yeah. <laughs> they're homeless, well, not foodless. And also, technically, these truckers would be homeless, right, in Ottawa, because their homes aren't there. That's right. Mm. There so. you go. So they're without home, temporarily. Mm. Yeah. All right. Clayton says, Friday, Seamus said, God's word hasn't been changed. God had rules for slavery. Wait for Seamus to respond, because he'll falsely claim it was indentured servitude when there were distinctions between Jewish servants and heathen slaves. Need Matt Dillahunty on. Yeah, so it's a good question. You have the Old Covenant and you have the New Covenant. So you have laws that were specific to the Jewish people based on God's covenant with them as opposed to the natural law of the universe. So what I was talking about basically is that there are certain immutable moral laws of the universe that do not change and cannot change based on circumstance. So something like marriage falls into that category because thou shalt not commit adultery is a commandment. So there has to be some sort of parameter for that. When it comes to... The way the Old Testament discusses that, when you had wars, people would be captured as prisoners of war. Sometimes people would owe a debt, and so they would work it off. It was not the same as the kind of chattel slavery that we refer to, but nonetheless, the church condemns slavery and owning other people. You guys need to have a special conversation on religion that we could put up on the website. I mentioned that last time, but that would be mm-hmm. that would be great. So if, if yeah, you, no, I think it'd be time. and we, we just put up for free. We'd have like, you know, a religious conversation with the uh, hippie DMT Ian and, <laughs> you know, Seamus religious. Yes. All right, let's read some more. We got James. Also, wait, can I mention one thing too, though? Um, Christianity was so from its inception, so anti-slavery that St. Patrick, who was taken a slave by the Irish, went back, evangelized Ireland, and within decades of his death, slavery had almost completely disappeared in Ireland because the people had accepted Christianity. Wow. 
Yeah. You guys should have a longer conversation. Yeah, yeah. Let's read yeah. some more. We got uh, Jay Neighbor says, old fat truck driver from Dubuque here. Seamus, cartoon idea. Next pandep- pandemic is the lying pants on fire virus. Talking heads saying things with burning coming up from below. Then Alex Jones says something and nothing happens. Let's go, Canada. All right. Nikki, all these people are just writing my tunes for me. <laughs> and they're super chat again. I'm going to say, they're I, paying I will let me. you guys know. I know, they're paying Tim. <laughs> guys, pay me. No, I, so I, I do have a, a trucker convoy cartoon that I'm very excited to work on. And I'm very excited to, to show everybody. I can't right. wait for Thursday. Braden Hitchener says the guy with the Confederate flag is against the movement, most likely illiterate in history and thought the Confederate flag is incriminating to bring bad press the entire movement. I will say there was, um, oh, what was, I, I forgot the guy's name. He's the, the Canadian hero who traveled across the country when he was sick. What was his name? Oh, Terry something. Terry Fox. Terry know. Fox. I think so. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not as well versed on Canadian history, but there was a statue and they put the flag on him and the mandate freedom and everyone, you know, people got really mad about that. And I'm, I'm very much of the, uh, I, I get they didn't vandalize it. They just put a flag on them in a cape or whatever. But, you know, my opinion is you got to be very, very careful. Right. About, you know, because there are people who are sitting at home who are probably confused. As much as I don't think there are a lot of regular people that aren't politically active these days, there are some, you know, and they're going to be like, you've got to be, you've got to be the people who are shoveling the snow and cleaning up graffiti and you're waving to people with smiles on your faces as opposed to the rambunctious, woo, mm-hmm. you know. Well, also, I want to mention this. Isn't it the purpose of a journalist to investigate a story instead of going, oh, this is something that I want to have seen happen, so I'm going to report that it did? Like, shouldn't they be asking questions about who this person with the Confederate flag is? Yes. Right. You think. Yeah. Yep. Or why there's one guy with a Nazi flag, and then all of a sudden, all the stories are like, protesters were waving Nazi mm-hmm. flags. It's like, yeah. there's one guy there, man. Nobody liked him. Mm-hmm. There, was there, was a, there was a viral video of a guy who showed up at a, at a, a Patriot Prayer event in, I think, near Portland who had some kind of like, I think he had a Nazi flag or something. And he was, or he was yelling the N word and all the left was like, see, this proves it. And I'm like, yo, it's literally a video of the right wing group kicking him out. And yeah. Like, Get away from him. I was like, I don't understand what this, it proves they're racist. And they're like, yeah, yeah well, he's with them. And I'm like, but they're kicking him out. Is he yeah. Don't care. If 11 people are kicking one Nazi out, you have 12 <laughs> Nazis. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dennis says, back in July last year when churches were being burned down, Trudeau said it was a shame but understandable. Now it's unacceptable and disgusting to honk your horn for freedom. Hmm. One like equals one honk. Hmm. Yes. Honk that like button. Like <laughs> like that honk button? Yeah. Like hit that. Smash that horn. Yes. That's smash what the honk that button horn. is. Yes. Hit it. Put the like button. We in. are change. <laughs> Super chatted us and oh. said, have you guys ever heard of Bill Gates? No. Bill Gates. <laughs> Who's that? Started well, Apple? No, but I heard of this guy Microsoft. named Luke, who Luke. used to be on this podcast, this. who I miss hey, dearly. Let me you tell know what's you. funny? Dude, Bill Gates. Luke leaves the show, and now he has to pay us <laughs> yes. to say things on the show. <laughs> Opportunity costs. <laughs> Our plan is complete. Oh, this is cool. Radioactive Llama says, Viva Fry was live streaming from the protest today for hours. What he was showing didn't match with what Trudeau said at all. It is infuriating. But we have awesome content creators, commentators, and YouTubers like Viva Fry. You guys should definitely subscribe to his channel, who goes out and actually shows you the truth. That, that is, is the power of the internet. That's the positivity of the internet. There are bad things. There's manipulation. But that helps us break through the lies. Tim. Speaking of Luke's Super Chat, can we ask one question about Bill Gates and if there's any kind of connection to China? There's something you could say about the corruption with oh, him, given man. your research. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a big <laughs> section on Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates loves China. He uh, thinks President Xi works very hard uh, for the Chinese people. He's an advisor to Xi. He's a member of this thing called the uh, China 
uh, engineering uh, association. Wow. Um, and uh, it's an advisory body to the government. He's invested in a lot of companies that uh, help build up the Chinese military. Um, it's a huge problem. Microsoft uh, is very involved in artificial intelligence research in China in laboratories where the Chinese military is doing that work. Um, and in fact, Microsoft takes interns from the People's Liberation Army. So it's 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 a wow. it's a crazy wow. relationship, and uh, Bill Gates is is one of those uh, guys who likes the Chinese model very well. That's crazy. He, I had no idea he was an advisor to Xi Jinping. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I but, just want to wow. I want to point out how much I love the word honk. Yes. <laughs> it's just so good. I got to read this one. Many strange quirks says, "Give me liberty or give me honk." Yes. <laughs> to honk or not to honk? That is the question. Always I regret honk. I have I have one honk to give to my country. <laughs> Let's win one for the oh, honk. Oh man. I'll I'll be your honkleberry. <laughs> that was a good one. That's great. Oh my Honkapalooza 2022. Oh, it, it it works out so well because of the honk meme already with yeah. like yeah. clown world and yeah. now the truckers and now the you know honking. Yeah. I like that one. I regret I have but one honk to give my country. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You can actually you can honk, honk several times. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and keep doing it. I had a friend once who got a ticket for improper use of horn in Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just because. What is that? What is that? Appar- no honking. A- yeah, you can't honk for any reason other than like to alert someone. Oh, uh, New York's got yeah. those too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just because yeah. they're so highly urbanized, they don't yeah. want to disturb the peace. Yeah, yeah. I think that's he the was idea. he was honking to like his friend was in the house and he pulled up and honked to let him know he was there. And oh. It's like. Burp, burp. And he got and, a ticket for yeah, it. Yeah, and the cop was like, you can't do that. Oh, it's, it was like a $35 ticket or something. Improper use of horn. <laughs> of honk. <laughs> Improper yeah. use of horn. See, you I remember, can't tell me how to honk. I remember as a kid, you know, the truckers would go by on the road and you'd like, yeah, you, you know, you'd yeah. want them to honk, right? Yeah. You'd want yeah, them to honk. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Jazz Monkey says, my friends and I were serving truckers and police coffee at, and police coffee at the protest. There is lots of love in the air and conservative leaders are meeting and speaking with truckers in spite of the limp wristies to uh, tyrant <laughs> Trudeau mm-hmm. wrists. Jordan Peterson made a call to uh, political uh, members of the Canadian political affiliate. I don't know how you would describe it, but hey, let's get it going. This is your moment. This is your yeah. time to shine. Mm-hmm. The citizens are behind you. Come on. Well, I mean, one super chat we had earlier was mentioning that the, the, the convoy was just still getting into Ottawa and it was backed up and more mm. and more people are coming. I in. want it all through the United States, man. Bring it. Mm. But it's very much like Occupy. Yeah. It's a populist protest. People yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Truckers should look. Here's the crazy thing. If you're in a truck and you pull into a city and you're legally allowed to drive there. It is very obstructive to that city, mm-hmm. but no one is doing anything that borders on any illegality, right? So the interesting yeah. thing is when you take a boat like Extinction Rebellion did and put it in the middle of, a interse- of an intersection, you're blocking traffic, move, we refuse, you're under arrest. If everybody just drove their trucks into the city and just jammed everything up, it's literally just people driving on roads. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing they yeah. can do other than everyone go and you go, okay, and you just turn left and you go back around. Yeah. And it's like, what are they going to do? They yeah. can't do anything about it. Well, and the other thing about truckers and the significance of this protest is they're not exactly a group of people which is generally outspoken. There are certain careers, which I will not name, that are sort of <laughs> notorious for complaining about how underappreciated and undervalued they are. Truckers are extremely important, and you don't see them going out there flaunting their stuff all the time, talking about how people need to be more considerate of them, talking about how people need to appreciate them more. So when they're willing to stand up and say, we're drawing a line, all right, treat us with some decency and respect, probably listen, not just because they bring you your food, but also because this is not a group of people which is constantly making demands on us. 
I hate to be a Debbie Downer on this one, Uh-oh. but I imagine people like Klaus Schwab are going, this is very good for us. <laughs> the truckers won't bring food in. Yeah. And then people will stop spending money and capitalism will fail. Drones. Yeah. They need our drones. Yeah. See, but I dis- because I think the securing of the right of the worker will be better for capitalism in the long run. Yeah. 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 In the short term, I can imagine great reset people are like, you know, the truckers, if, if they're not working and bringing stuff in, then we're resetting everything that's working. Yeah. But in the long run, if the people actually win mm-hmm. and the corrupt system fails, then it doesn't matter what they want. Exactly. Well, and you, you think about uh, Ayn Rand's book, you know, Atlas Shrugged. I don't know if you guys have read it or you heard about it, but yeah. But I watched I, a nine hour long movie about yeah, it. Yeah, oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but the, the whole premise of the story was like all the people that make things happen in society, kind of, you know, the smart business, basically go on strike and leave. Yep. Like in this case, it's the truckers doing it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they're the ones that are actually delivering the food. Yeah, they so, make it that, happen. That's, people don't yeah. realize how important they are. Yeah. That's like if your blood left your body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what people need to realize. New York, man, these cities. I, I just, I wish, even for like one week, all the truckers were like, "We're not going to go into New York City." Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I want. They would have no food. I want people mm-hmm. to experience mm-hmm. what it would be like without them, without actually taking it away from them, because I don't want to cause the suffering. Well, I mean, this, it's gonna, it's, it's like a horrible, know, look, horrible man, amount of suffering. I would imagine would come out of that if, if that were to happen. There's a question about what it takes for someone to truly learn a lesson. And if these people keep voting in policies that are destroying the lives of everyone in this country hmm. because of New York, right? It's the, I'll put it this way. If the people of New York keep voting in nationally and federally the same people who then vote for policies that negatively impact people who live in the country who don't want anything to do with their way of life, there comes a time where it's like if the truckers protested and they understood why their policies were bad, then maybe they'd be like, you know, maybe we should stop imposing our will on people who don't live here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, um, it, it's a, what was it? What was it? It's a Family Guy episode, I think, where a murderer uh, uh, pokes himself and he's in prison. And then like something happens and he takes the knife, looks at it and he stabs himself. He goes, oh, ow, that really hurts. Is that what I've been doing to people? Oh, I belong in here. <laughs> it's like, it's like a point about people not realizing that they're destroying right. so much because they, they, right. they have no idea what they're doing. They don't experience it, you know? So somebody sent me an infographic of how long it would take for the country to completely fall apart without truckers. Um, a very short time, it turns yeah. out. Uh, it turns out that you would um, you'd immediately run out of um, oxygen in hospitals. You'd run out of medicine in hospitals. You'd run out of food. You'd run out of water. You'd run out of fuel. You'd stop having trash emptied. And I tweeted, the truckers' convoy is making me think that our media and political classes might benefit from a few weeks without these distasteful cretins doing such unimportant work as bringing food to stores, removing waste, and bringing medicine and oxygen to hospitals. I really think that our politicians and media could do with it. Check this out. The truckers could come out right now and say, we want everyone to know that we will be doing a general trucker strike over this for the next week. Mm. No trucker will be delivering. So make sure you have adequate supplies for whatever mm-hmm. you need. And here's what will happen. People on the right will be like, you got it, boss. People on the left will be like, did you watch the game <laughs> last night? Yeah. Yeah. No, and they then, don't watch sports either. Yeah, they yeah they don't, they're probably not. they be like, did you watch that Bernie rally last night? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is they're watching. No, they're watching like watch Netflix or whatever. Did well, you watch that really. Netflix reboot that was super progressive? I don't know. But even they don't watch that. <laughs> but but like, they're not paying attention to the news. So they would right. be like, what's happening and why is it happening? And it's right. like, oh, you didn't hear? They're protesting right. the mandates. They're right. like, well, I didn't hear about that because it's not a racist tweet. So like, why is it? how does it affect me? Right. And they'd be victims, right? I mean, they're very good at victimhood. 
So they'd be like, it's not fair. It's not. Well, that's the point of the truckers telling everybody like, hey, heads up. We're protesting for our rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I mean, I find it really funny that the left is opposed to workers' rights right now. Of course. But that's the thing they've always been. The left has used the worker as a human shield, basically, for any agenda they want to try to get across. They've totally co-opted the unions. Yeah. And then they always go out in public and claim, we're standing for the workers. We want what's best for them. But their values are nowhere even remotely close to those of the average working person. They have completely different goals. Yeah. I want to, I want to read a couple more super chats before we go too late. Uh, Karen Ath says, Ian, being an incel is not about sex. It's about not having someone to love and talk to, someone to care for and start a family with. It's not about sex or we would just get ladies of the night. Keep oh. it more family friendly. Mm. VR mm-hmm. sex, VR girlfriends won't help anything for anyone. Yeah. Also, I want to mention before before Ian responds to that, when I was discussing the fact that you do have this problem with young men who feel they have no bind to society doing horrific things, I'm not saying any person that you could consider an incel is going to be a violent or bad person. And I should point out, Seamus is the one that brought up incels earlier, not me. <laughs> Thanks for throwing <laughs> me under the bus. Yeah, it was that he dirty, th- he threw me Irish. right under that trucker convoy. I, there. I think <laughs> you make a, a stellar point that love, that, that being celibate or, or involved, it, it's more about sex. You know, you could easily hire somebody if you wanted to have sex with them. Um, but it's, it's way more than I agree with you. We should make an opening graphic that says honk cast yes. for the honk uh, cast protests. Yes. Cast in solidarity. I'll make yeah. freedom tunes, honky tunes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Is that All what right. they're calling it a racist protest? Yeah. Calling us honkies with their horns? <laughs> All right, everybody. If you haven't already, smash that like button. One like equals one honk. Woo. So give this podcast a good honk. And go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a members-only podcast coming up for you around 11 or so p.m. Uncensored conversations and uh, not very family-friendly. You can follow the show at TimCastIRL. Follow us on Instagram for clips, and you like them and share them and all that stuff. You can follow me at TimCast basically everywhere, Twitter, Getter, Gab, Instagram. Peter, you want to shout anything out? Uh, no, just, uh, China's a major problem for us, and I think we've had a great conversation tonight. And, you do have uh, a book. I do. I have a, I have a book, uh, that is, uh, been out for two weeks. It's called Red Handed. It's actually been out for a week. Um, getting a lot of interest, getting a lot of criticism and attacks. Been on number one on Amazon all week, um, oh, and love, loved people to check it out. That's a clever name for a book. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. I actually came up with that myself, Very believe it cool. or not. So, yeah. Do you have a social media or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Um, you can go to thedrilldown.com. I've got a podcast I do once a week. It's uh, about 25 minutes looking at corruption. Uh, and you can also just find my organization, the Government Accountability Institute, online. Uh, we do a lot of research on all kinds of cronyism and corruption. It's a target-rich environment. Right on. Awesome. Seamus Coglin. thank you so much for stopping by and watching this. I love getting an opportunity to do the show. Uh, firstly, I want to plug the after show because I think we're going to have a really good conversation where we go mm-hmm. deeper into some of this corruption. And I want to plug my YouTube channel, Freedom Tunes. Go check that out. We're going to be releasing a cartoon this week as we release every week. It's going to be about the trucker protest. So can, can keep we get, your eyes peeled for that on Thursday. Can we get Fauci in that trucker protest so I can get some royalties? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's true. So Tim, Tim, Tim voices this little character I invented named Dr. Fauci. Yes. And need those royalty checks. And, and the royalty checks from Freedom Teams basically fund all of this. Operation. Yeah. You should, at the end of the cartoon, it goes to the front of the line, to the front of the convoy, and it's Fauci. And he's just trying to get home, you know? But he doesn't realize what he's done. He's oh, in the back, that's so in the back funny. Honking. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my get out of my way. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, you support us. <laughs> hey, and follow me at net. Check out my social medias there. Peter, really awesome conversation, dude. This is great. It's a lot of fun. Catch guys. you guys later, man. 
Yeah, I was happy to hear that Peter has a podcast. Somebody in the uh, chat was uh, saying, if you don't have one, you should. So thedrilldown.com, that's correct? Yeah, that's Perfect. right. Awesome. Thank and you. Freedom Te- Tunes is T-O-O-N-S. Thank you, Lids. It is cartoons, not music. You guys may follow me on Twitter and mine's at Sarah Patchlids. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Sign up, become a member, and we'll see you all there. Bye. Thanks for hanging out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.